Good evening. You are listening to a pre-taped episode of the Ghostly Talk Paranormal Talk Show. Enjoy a one-hour flashback interview, followed by two brand new discussions we have had with the wonderful guests that make Ghostly Talk the show that it is. We had a lot of fun putting these together for you folks. So enjoy, and see you all back here live in 2009. Ghostly Talk! Merry Christmas and Happy New Year! This is the last Ghostly Talk of 2008, and we are broadcasting from the world-famous haunted winery here in Warren, Michigan. It is, indeed, Ghostly Talk on December 21st, 2008. Ghostly Talk is independently produced every Sunday night from 6 p.m. to 9 p.m. Eastern Time to converse about all things paranormal. Ho, ho, ho. Please visit their website, I guess. So, yeah, Santa Claus wants to go and visit ghostlytalk.com. Ho, ho, ho. Why, thank you, Santa. As you probably already know, tonight there'll be a flashback discussion with Mick and Sylvie Avery and, of course, Gregory. After that, it's all about Christmas. Glenn Kimball returns to tell us about the real stories of Christmas. And then to finish the year off, we talk about Christmas miracles with the legendary Brad Steger. Actually, Gregory and Sylvia are with us right now. Uh, Sylvia, you there? Yes, absolutely. Is uh, Gregory ready for us? Yes, he is. Hello, dear friends. Hello. Hi, Gregory. How are you doing? This is Scott from Ghostly Talk. It's been a really long time since we talked to you. I have been waiting for you. (laughs) There we go. Now, that scares me. I heard that in Star Wars before, Gregory. <laughs> yes, I'm sorry. I'm I'm just having a little fun. <laughs> <laughs> then he's familiar with the show. He's <laughs> yeah, you're familiar with the show. You've been Thank here before, you. obviously. <laughs> now, um, obviously, uh, Sylvie. Well, we you're going to be doing an Akashic reading on me tonight. Um, that is so true. I don't know. What, is there something you want me to do, or do I just sit back here and just uh, listen to what you have to say? I will begin it. Okay. There. So, my dear friend. I am here present within your soul group. This is to do with your spirit, not the personality that you are, not the personality loved by many, but actually 
the personality and intention and energy of your pure spirit. This spirit that we acknowledge is you actually has a representation of your completed life journey up to this point. Your life journey, my dear friend, spans millions of years in terms of the earth understanding and registry of time. Be aware, dear friend, that the passage of time in relation to human activity is something which is only thus far related to the Earth's physical time. It doesn't bear the same resemblance in the rest of the universe or other dimensions that you may care to feel that you travel within. Now, as a spirit being, in this, your soul group, This is where we are at present, in the halls of learning of your soul group. This is to do with your central energy core. It's what makes you the being that you are. So if you wondered why it was that during your college years you were very flighty, that you moved from one thing and another, and that you were a bit like a bee in a large honeypot, and that you move from one thing to another because you were actually bringing in uh, your intention was actually quite scattered, and that you were actually bringing in all of these situations of the rest of your life. You were uh, interacting with many different people, and you were really a very gregarious, not that that's been something that's subdued. Most certainly it hasn't. It's something that is still remained with you throughout your physical life but also that we are preciously aware that this is a part of your vibrancy of your spirit, so that it means it's not something which has just occurred because of the environment in which you've grown up in or because of your genetics as a physical being. It's actually to do with your core intention, which is a searching being. You are a person who is also very anchored to the earth, so it means to say that you have all of the goodwill and intentions of the earth, even though at times you have actually ignored that uh, and found, in fact, that some of your earlier behaviors of physical life to your error have been, uh, in in some respect, a vagrancy of that life. Mm -hmm. So what I'm saying is, you've been a bit naughty, really, (laughs) here and there, and the situation, however, is that you are beginning to respond, in fact, to the very definite needs and understandings of the planet and your environment. So you actually becoming somebody who is quite more responsible than you ever would have thought you would ever be in your life. It's a bit like you're wearing the wrong pajamas at the moment, and, and at this time you are finding yourself in a completely strange bed. And so this is actually what is uh, happening in your life, that you are still surrounding yourself with these uh, different situations of, I suppose you could say, complication in your life. And it appears that you are still struggling for structure. However, it does appear that you are very focused within certain parameters of your life. It is actually because of your core intention from your soul group that makes you be this way. It's not because you're tied to the earth particularly, but as a spirit being, you come from the Hanesta group. The Hanesta group, uh, that is spelt H-F-H-E-S-T-E-R, and over the H-F-H, 
there is a, a, a hieroglyph which appears to be two serifs, uh, one upon another, which are uh, angled and pointed upward. This is then supported by an all-seeing eye. The all-seeing eye is there representing uh, your spirit, your eternal spirit, always looking upon the horizons of life, trying to focus upon uh, actually retaining imagery and the things of your life. So if it sometimes becomes that your spirit interaction with your physical life sometimes becomes somewhat objectionable to some people because you are scattered. Mm -hmm. And at times you have times of your life when you're just scattered. You're firing off in many different directions and not collected at all. And in fact, some parts, aspects of your life have actually been quite difficult for you to really steady yourself. It's almost as though you've been in a, 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 a kind of a collision course, really, with many other people's views, and that you've really tried to strip away these situations of absolute nonsense, and that you uh, really began much to do with how you reverberated with your own physical life and your teaching and learning that you... Uh, had whilst you were in college and that kind of thing, but you actually bucked the trend, really. You threw out a lot of it. You thought it was absolute nonsense, didn't have any bearing to you or your life plan, and you just threw it out and just carried on in your own sweet way. And at the same time, a lot of people actually found uh, you, uh, I, I wouldn't say obnoxious, but that you were actually quite a, a, a very gravitating person, so that it meant that friends that you got were really good friends, not just drinking buddies, but really good friends, and that you managed to establish some really core identities within this learning part of your life, and that you still do that. You still really do have very good, strong relationships that tend to eke all the way through your life, and that they are very central to your life, because in actual fact, friend, you're a much more deeply caring person than you usually give yourself credit for. And it certainly is something which doesn't actually uh, uh, touch many other people's lives. It's a part of you that you keep very secret and deep within you. But you have emotionally charged situations within your life which are uh, not just to do with the fabric of your life, but to do with your searching and your learning. And that it's a treasure, really, to meet what, someone from this particular soul group who has such an aspect of learning and an open-minded nature. It means to say that it, it is part of the driving force within you and that enables you to have uh, this beautiful life that you are currently investing in. And it is as though you are coming to each street corner and you're just poking your head around the outside of it just to see what's coming next. But it's almost as though your view is obscured, quite simply because it's not for you to know it necessarily. This life for you, my friend, is all about exploration and it's important for you to have your eyes wide open, not shut at all. And so, my dear friend, we have to also turn to the main and central person who walks with you. Here's a beautiful being, uh, a, a being who is actually a Cree. Now, Cree people generally tend to be very good counselors, people who actually uh, understand and, and represent, uh, take in all different sides and points of view. 
tea actually has a very reassuring influence upon your life and at times you almost feel as though there's a voice that's trying to calm you down in certain situations and help you to really appraise situations uh, so that you actually make other deeper intentions and motivations within your life that you don't actually often let out in common good with other people. So it's like you are making decisions on the surface to do with one aspect of your life and also at the same time you're making much deeper decisions actually with this individual. His name is in fact is in fact Long Hawk and his name uh, Long Hawk is actually because of the fact that he is a person who negotiated with many different people in his physical life born in uh, 1728 uh, passed in 1786, I understand, lived uh, uh, near and around uh, various parts of Saskatchewan and also uh, to do with uh, uh, various areas around the lakes. But I, and I understand he traveled a great deal. He was a person, a uh, merchant in various kinds of furs and that kind of thing, not a trapper, but actually he interrelated with many other people in different native cultures and that kind of thing. And so this actually also has a very great leaning toward you, Scott, my dear friend, to do with uh, native people, to do with ind indigenous peoples. It's why as well uh, not to say that it was something that was brought up with you in your environment and your uh, educational situation, but actually that actually came through your physical life because uh, of this beautiful doorkeeper friend that you have. He's a very sunny disposition, very rounded face, uh, actually sometimes has, uh, can be seen with black zigzag markings on his neck uh, and also small dots around his eyes, which are like patterns. They actually used to use... Uh, uh, vegetable dye in order to paint themselves their the, the pretty little patterns around their faces, around their eyes and that kind of thing and he was uh, no exception to this and he actually decorated himself a great deal and he wears these really beautiful clothes, he has a beautiful mind, a, a really focused mind and it's something of an absolute treat to see this kind of relationship because in many respects when you react to other people, indigenous peoples and different peoples from other structures of tribal society and that kind of thing, you actually find a great empathic which is moving through you, through your life and that you feel really grounded when you are in that kind of situation and nature, uh, particularly to do with other forms of native festivals and that kind of thing. And it's really something that brings you home to the earth, and you, you really feel as though you are a part of it when you are in that kind of situation. <laughs> so there we have it. Spirit name? Yes, my dear friend. Scott Spirit name. Spirit name. Very well. Uh, thank you, friend. I understand your spirit name is Hayula. Uh, I will try to spell this for you. It is uh, not necessarily a male name, you understand. I'm not saying that you're a girl or anything like that. <laughs> but what I am saying is that Hayula is a, a, a sort of uh, a name which is not indigenous to Earth people. This is actually because in uh, other respects of your life, Hayula is actually an ascended name. That doesn't mean to say you're better than other people, 
but it's an ascended name of OPAC variety, and you actually have been an OPAC. This is a person who uh, lived upon a different planet at the point, in fact, of which you moved away from that which is the creative force of all life. At this point, your spirit was in absolute purity, as your spirit is still in absolute purity. It's just that you don't know it, and you don't actually correlate with your spirit. You don't actually communicate with your spirit. This is something, a situation which you can do should you wish to do that. Mm -hmm. It's just a very simple meditation. It doesn't take acres and acres of your time. It's not going to take hours and hours. But Heula is your spirit name. It's a really beautiful name which comes from the OPAC group of uh, Sinashi. And the OPAC group of Sinashi are beings who were uh, some 12 feet in height and lived for thousands and thousands of years in their, uh, upon their native uh, three planets. Uh, around the Sayushu uh, star, which is actually in the uh, Sirius galaxy, I understand, a uh, compilation of stars, yes, and, and that group. And I understand that uh, this is uh, actually the form of, of body of spirituality that comes through you and that you can actually tap into. So that means to say, my dear friend, if you choose to meditate, if you choose, and I'm not talking about sitting on some kind of cushion with your fingers in some strange pose or humming <laughs> or, or uh, any of that sort of thing, I'm not uh, asking you to chant or, or any of that kind of thing or burn incense or candles. All you need to do is to sit in a straight-back chair with your knees and your ankles together and just uh, really connect with your pure and beautiful spirit, then you will be enabled to travel with your beautiful, pure spirit and your doorkeeper who will be with you, taking your hand and allowing and helping you to move through the universe to your tribal homeland. And how, just before we finish, how do you spell that name? Well, I can try to tell you. Halusha. Uh, yes. I can try to tell you, it is H-I-A-H-S-H-U-L-O-U-U. -U -U. Now, the point is that the O and the U-U -U at the end also have uh, uh, various markings around it, which appears to be uh, a bit like a, a bracket that you use in your typography, mm -hmm. uh, which is lying upon its side. So it means to say that the bracket is almost like a, a funny-shaped roof. Mm, a bridge. Uh, mm. Yes, quite so. And then over the top of that are two eyes with, over the top of that, a mouth which is upside down. So it's like you are a, a being, or this represents a being who is lying down always gazing out to the stars, and that is so typical of the kind of person that you are. Okay. Uh, okay, I'm just trying to figure out what I'm... <laughs> Doug, it's all you. Well, what, <laughs> what I've noticed, I was taking notes. Yeah, know, Doug has been Gregory. taking some intent notes here. Shouldn't uh, I be taking the notes? You're the one sitting here doing it. Well, that. you knew that I was doing this. Uh, so, you like, know, I, oh, I have yes. to... Someone I, has to take notes. Yes, and and I have to say, I um, uh, the the starting with the soul group, um, 
I mean, obviously, the seeking and learning, I think, are the two overall uh, things that that you found in in the Hall of Records, and and uh, and isn't that pretty much describing what pretty much the, everything that we're doing? I mean, it's it's amazing because that is it, I from what I gather, I think that it's really um, shows what you're doing now and and what you've been doing all your life and i think that also he mentioned gregory mentioned he yeah. found that you're looking around the corner and you're just not allowed to see or you're not you're obstructed from seeing some things but that's uh, my but that, fault though. but that you're always uh, still always seeking and learning and, and it does i i i found that to be absolutely um amazing well, I, I can say that, you know, we talked a bit about college. Uh, Gregory mentioned stuff about college. And, and it was a pivotal life. time in your life. Well, yeah, much you, like ever, a lot of people. And, you uh, chose to go to college, and you didn't necessarily have to, but you, no, you no. chose to, and you wanted to. You wanted to get it done. But within my education, though, I will verify this. You know, I'm, we're not testing anybody no, here anyway. No, no, I'm know? just I'm trying to want, discuss yeah. the things that I yeah, found. yeah. Were remarkable, actually. No, that, that's not what I'm going to... I want that very clear. We're not testing anybody here for... for that ain't what we're doing here. Uh, but I will say that um, when I was in college, I had a very, very, very difficult time. And I mean this. I had a very difficult time trying to, trying to select a major. And mm-hmm. I did so, uh, change my major over a couple of times, uh, along with... Spending a lot of time in counseling, going, oh, my God, what am I going to do in my life? Oh, my God, what am I going to do in my life? quite so. And, uh, exactly, because, because you're such an explosive person, my dear friend. That's the point, that you, you feed off of a lot of people. That doesn't mean to say you're a vampire, not either emotionally nor, nor uh, uh, vicariously. You are not that kind of being, but you tend to react, overreact with people. That's because you actually don't really gauge their emotions and what they have uh, within their life, you, don't, you did not used to correlate with them. You didn't really understand other people or what made them tick. That's why it's what made you so uh, uh, extremely vociferous, extremely uh, uh, engaging, and yet really wanting to know everything, and yet also backing the way and holding them at a distance. And it's exactly the same as you had been with all of the various subjects that you interacted with. And it was exactly the same when you were a child, that you, uh, either you wanted something or you didn't, and you, you moved from one thing to another to another to another, like this little jumping jack, really, that moved from one thing to another. Mm-hmm. It wasn't because you had a scattered memory or because your energy was not centered. It was just purely because you, had, you were firing on many more cylinders than most people have. Well, and I will, I, and I'll say this too. Um, Doug knows this, uh, and I'll and I'll and I'll say something here that you know I kind of and I, I'll I'll express this on the air. Uh, I have had over the last fifteen years, I've done a lot of stuff. I mean, I, people that know me on the outside, I have experimented with, and I, for me, it's always been about the experience. Anyways, you know, I've done all types of weird stuff trying you know, the music thing and then movie stuff that we do now and the radio show, of course, which has become a really big part of my life. Um, but I've always, and I've, you know, the old writing, saying, writing, the, writing the little comedy sketches. Yeah, writing amazing. stuff, just doing all kinds of goofy stuff. But there, And there's been a lot of other stuff, you know, in the belly of that too. Uh, but I, I, and the old saying goes, jack of all trades, master of none. You know, and I, and I think I'm a classic example of that for 
you know, for a lot of people. And I don't talk about that very often, but I will. It came up here. Let's mention it. Uh, I do a lot of stuff, but I, I, have, I, I look up to a lot of people in my life that I know that have spent the last 10 years, you know, in a trade, for example, um, you know, for perfecting their craft. And they're, you know, they're, got, they're at this point now in their life where they're experts at these things, where I've done so many little things um, sometimes I've had a hard time with like, okay, who the hell am I? <laughs> you know, who am yeah. I in this life? I don't have any identity. I'm I'm this weird dude who you know just this does all this crazy stuff, and uh, you know I don't I'm not you know I don't feel like I'm a, defi- a grounded person where I have my identity. Uh, you know, this is what I do. This is how I make my living. You know, no, and you know at this point in my life, I guess you know according to society's standards, I should be at a different point in my life. I should be, I guess. You know, I should be married now. I should maybe have a couple no, of kids no, now. No, not at all, my dear I'm friend. I'm saying you by society suit. standards, yeah. No, 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 my dear friend. You don't sort that, suit that kind of box at all. And in fact, okay. you're the kind of typical person who should never, ever try to squeeze into a box, my friend, because it just doesn't suit you. You yeah. cannot wear those kinds of clothes, my dear friend. It would suffer your energy greatly. And it is not something which you would actually respond to in kind, beautifully, or that you would submit to. You would always find and feel yourself that you were not being true to yourself. And partly, my dear friend, I have to take you to task here because you are actually your own worst enemy in respect of the fact that you tend to regard yourself in low esteem. That is not to say that you are uh, struggling with egoism or anything like that. But what you tend to do is that you actually march completely the other way. And that rather than understanding that you have successes and that you actually have uh, a many-faceted, gifted being, that is what you are. You just have not yet developed all of those strands and brought them to realization. So rather I would suggest to you, my friend, that you regard yourself as an evolving being. Okay. <laughs> and I've noticed changes since I've met you. Mm-hmm. Big changes toward evol- you know, ev- evolution, evolving. Yeah. Um, yeah. Uh, since I've met you, it's it's been a journey. Mm-hmm. And you've been... I I think uh, finding finding the right paths and and making a lot of really good decisions. Well, no, and I and, and that and that is the truth. I mean, that's not being said here. I I really have felt that way a lot of years about myself. Where uh, I'm like, okay, I have no identity. <laughs> but if you're not meant, it, it, I think your identity is just not what you think yeah, or what yeah. society or what people are yes. putting. Yeah, on. and maybe I'm yeah. Quite so. Yeah. It's actually because you don't fit into the stereotypical box which uh, you presently uh, regard yourself as struggling to deal with. Mm. So I'm saying, friend, stop struggling. Mm. It's as simple as that, really. Just <laughs> accept that you are this completely different being, uh, a bit like having a, a really refined caterpillar or something like that. The mm. creator. Yes. Absolutely so. And this this world upon which you live, my dear friend, at this present time, needs creators like you. Desperately. Well, I'll say. (laughs) Because, because, uh, well, you know, I I don't even know what to say to that, because I'm pretty fried right now. Well, I'm not just saying it, my dear friend, uh, to be nice to you. I just need to. No, I I, I appreciate your honesty on that, too. 
Uh, and that is one thing that I have really been watching over the, over the last few years, couple of years, I'll say, is I've really started to realize um, the, the complexity and the beauty of creating something from the ground up. I mean, if you take a huge, a huge system of something, uh, oh, let's just say a computer. It's, it's an easy example. Um, a lot of people don't really neglect the the beauty and the refinement of a machine of that sort. Yeah, they have their problems, and you know that's how we make our living. <laughs> but uh, but I mean, if you really sit down and look at all of the years of work and time and sweat and blood that were put into these systems. Um, and how complex they are, and the millions of, of working parts within that system, um, I find that to be such a beautiful thing. I mean, no matter, regardless of the situation, whatever it may be, it's a really it's an object of beauty because of its complexity and the work, I think, that was put into that piece by piece, building the thing up to be what it is today and what it may be in the future. And what um, it can be used for. Yeah, what it can be used for, too. But I'm just talking about the rawness of it, the, the, yeah. the inter, interworking things of this. Um, that's something that I'm just fascinated with now. Um, just this, you know, this radio show, for example. I mean, there are a lot of working parts yeah. within this show that you know people don't see, that I'm very proud of because they're just things that we've built up and spent a lot of time on over the years to make things run more efficiently or whatever it may be. They're not super important, but we've spent years putting it together, and that's another example right there. So, um, Absolutely so. Yeah. Uh, and it really underlines what I am saying. Mm -hmm. Gregory, when, when you read um, the Akashic Records for, for folks, do... What do they usually get out of it? What is their like? It, it, do are people usually reassured, or are they, do they have a, an epiphany, or do what? What are the reactions like? What? Because I think Scott right now is sitting here pretty much stunned. <laughs> so his I'm a bit, I'm, I won't lie. I'm a bit emotional right now. And emotional. <laughs> yes. Well, yes, of course, because we we. I mean, obviously, my dear friend, we're not trying to go too deeply here no. because we don't want to uh, bring out, uh, we're certainly not going to wash your dirty washing in public, my dear <laughs> I wouldn't uh, even presume to do that. Hmm. However, w our general understanding and what we try to bring about to people is to help them understand the reality of themselves and how it is that you are an eternal being. You've actually, every single being now present on physical earth having a physical life, has existed for millions and billions of years, way beyond there ever being a human being. So that means to say it's a releasing situation to who you think you are, because in point of fact, you are not just the sum total of your genetics, that is, the part that has played uh, about within your human history. Yeah. What it is, is that you are a child of the universe, and as part of that, when you have an ability, when you seek and find the ability to actually communicate with your pure, beautiful spirit, that is you. And that is what I'm saying, dear friend Scott and Doug and anyone else who is listening to this. You have a beautiful, pure spirit deep within you, regardless of how you manifest yourself upon the outside. Now, at times, you may come to understand how you can connect with that beautiful, wonderful energy that you could say is the God energy, if you wish to say that. You see, if you want to know who God is, 
Look at yourself. Look at the, uh, the cat or the dog that you have in your household. Look at the fish, perhaps, that you have. Look at anything that is in your garden, anything in your world, and you will see that is a part of the reflection of God. And that, my dear friend, is when you come to reflect upon your deep spirit, that which is your central core energy, you are in touch with that which is God. I'm, I'm frying here, and, Doug. You, and, and, you're carrying the show. And no, <laughs> I, 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 I'm, a, I'm sorry, I'm being a bad host right now, but I'm, I'm trying to take all this in right now, and it's very, very heavy. It's and I think it's very important I, yeah. that people realize these kinds of things, that there is an interconnect. And we've talked about interconnectedness of all things, yes. and yeah. we've talked about um, how a lot of things rely on each other, or, you know, it's it's like a big, um, you know, it's, it's well, just everything human, Just human interaction. Um, just Even just our people. ideas. Ideas yeah. seem to be connected. We've noticed this over how many years already and talked about it. And yeah. and Gregory is just telling us exactly what, say, uh, what 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 we've thought or, or come to know or come mm-hmm. to learn. And he's just saying it very succinctly and very well. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so if I may just give you a little uh, other situation as a side uh, effect of this, my dear ahead. friends. If you have, if you think for the moment then of uh, a person, a being who is a bad spirit in the spirit world, what does that say? Uh, does that mean that the spirit is bad? Or does it actually mean that what you're actually dealing with when you have an errant spirit, perhaps who uh, 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 has something bad to do with a particular dwelling or house or location, shall we say that they're interfering with other physical people, something like that, bringing mayhem to their lives? What that situation is, is it's not the spirit itself. The spirit itself is pure. What you are interacting with is the negative energy of the physical being that is, has become the coating upon the spirit. And what that spirit is trying to do is to bring attention to this coating so that it can be healed and helped so that the spirit can once again shine and be this beautiful, blessed uh, energy. That's really what all of this is about when you are interacting with energies which are dystoic, which are uh, perhaps aggravating to human physical life or animals or birds or fishes or whatever it is. When you have these different interactive energies which are happening, you are dealing with it on a logical situation of the conscious relative activity, which is to do with the conscious physical life that happened in physical state, and that this is simply uh, like an overcoat, if you like, of the spirit, and that spirit is actually struggling with it. It really wants that being to learn to overcome the negative states it created in physical life and, and actually make repatriation and and enable its energy to become more refined so that it could understand and learn to love again. But that simply, in many respects, is something which is denied them purely and simply because of the extreme negative pathway that being had laid upon itself through their own decisions, poor judgments, poor incitation of their own mind, of their own physical conscious state when they had a physical life. So essentially, Gregory, they're just not listening 
to themselves. Well, not only to their, their, their right. spirit. I actually have a corollary to that. Okay. If yes. what if I uh, not me? I I I think I'm okay. But if oh, no, what you're if, an idiot. Uh, that's true. <laughs> What about <laughs> folks who have um, certain handicaps? Like there, uh, there are people who are, who don't have sight. There's people who don't have the ability to hear. Yes. There's people who have. Um, um, I, I I don't know the politically correct term. I'm sorry. I'm I'm older. Um, uh, uh, mental retardation. The, the mental issues. Yeah. Uh, yes, mental yes, issues. And and some of those are physiological. They're like you yes, can chemical. You chemical and physical because we're we're sort of you know yes. that's our real. And genetics, and um, so what? uh, When a spirit is interacting with this this shell, this body, this um, you know this this electrochemical furnace, um, you know of atoms, and is there ever like is that does that really sometimes is it limiting to the the spirit in that case? I mean, or can it? Is that what it's supposed to be doing? First of all, my dear friend, if you have a being on your side of life who is deformed in some way, who has some uh, genetic malfunction, or whether that uh, actually becomes apparent either materially or it's apparent through the subconscious level or conscious level, perhaps it uh, integrates in some other way. You can also bring into that various different forms of genetic illness and disease, which are also uh, prone because of you are having a physical life. These are nothing whatsoever to do with the spirit. It's a complete myth, and exactly the same as it's a complete myth when people say, oh, yes, you've got this or that disease from some previous past life experience. What rubbish. And so, actually, what you are then saying is that that person has no business having a decent, normal physical life, and that really, in actual fact, they have to owe everything up to some previous past life experience for which they have actually no discernible guarantee, no actual uh, ability to change. So it doesn't mean to say that however well or, or beautiful they try to be in this physical life that they're ever going to overcome it. So that means to say then, you are consigning that being to not having a free will experience. But in actual fact, every single being in physical state has a free will experience. What you are seeing when you see some person with some kind of uh, horrific disease or uh, disfigurement, however that manifests itself, Mm -hmm. is that they are not actually at the behest of some previous existence. But it was a genetic situation. Look at it and treat it as it is. It's an actual physical, as you say, my dear friend, uh, chemical situation or interaction. It was something which was a mutation. You are all mutated from one another. You are all mutated from previous generations. It just so happens that some of you have come out all right and others haven't. That's it. It's a, a bit of a lottery, one might say and that the chances are of a a certain specific ratio which are fairly well mapped out depending upon the availability or the the synopsis of various diseases. Now, how this actually uh, works out with the spirit itself is that it doesn't mean to say that a person who is physically disfigured has a beautiful spirit or, or a more beautiful spirit than someone who isn't. It doesn't mean to say that a person who has a, uh, a 
a Mongol form of uh, uh, mutation, genetic uh, sway or change or difference is any less beautiful or any more beautiful than someone else. However, it may well be that because of their whole mental attitude and their very loving personality, because they don't see negativity and negative energy in the same way that other people do, mm -hmm. that they don't react with it in the same way. So they become actually more loving and beautiful beings, just as a byproduct, really, of their inability to actually see negative traits. Well, However, yes, I'm sorry. No, go, well, no, I was just going to comment, you know... Um, Please. People who are, you know, do have mental issues. You know, a lot of people say, you know, a lot of people with, you know, Down syndrome, things like that, or, uh, yes. you know, a certain other genetic mutations, we'll call them that right now. Um, yes. They, a lot of people say, well, they're, they have, you know, they're 30 years old, but they have the mind of a five-year-old. And, and I've said this before on the show, children... Just but, seemed. Well, go ahead, Doug. But they have the spirit of a billion-year-old. Well, yeah, yeah, it's, it gets confusing yeah. after that. But uh, what my point was was just you know that children. Uh, I've noticed that children, yeah, no matter how bad things are around them, they don't understand that at that age in their life. All they really know how to do is love. A lot of times, it's society and growing up in a certain in certain environments that do skew them, and then they learn negative and positive and things like that, and they react to it accordingly. But when you're stuck, when your mind is chemically stuck in a certain area, which is like, say, five years old, you can't progress into that, uh, that negativity <laughs> and anger, I guess. I mean, am I correct, yes. Gregory? Oh, yes, absolutely so. And also, of course, don't forget, my dear friends, that uh, if it is, shall we say, a child who is autistic, well, uh, as we all know, the actual nature of the human mind and condition means that without autistic children, there would not be three-quarters of the inventions that have so far been invented. Really? Yes, absolutely. Uh, most of the greatest inventors of your side of life were actually autistic. Now, I didn't know that. I mean, I may have heard it, but I was like, okay. <laughs> you know, but I, I did not know that, Gregory. Yes, absolutely so. And that, the reason for that is because autistic children actually don't think in the same rational ways that most normal uh, physically-minded people do. So it means to say that if you think a, a little bit uh, more gregariously, shall we say, and that you think not in the same patterns that ordinary people are marshaled into thinking, that means that they think out ulteriorly, outside of themselves. Uh -huh. That is how you get people to invent things. How, did, how, how was, um, say, Einstein or Tesla? Yes, well, they were both autistic. In what way? Well, their autism was actually figuratively uh, uh, encouraged within a certain uh, parameter, certain ways of looking at it. Albert Einstein, in fact, had a particular bent toward mathematics and, and physics. So it meant to say that he could actually see spatial awareness, but in, in terms of it applying to mathematics. And it meant that he could understand certain theories of relativity and certain, certain theories of how the universe flux works that enabled him to understand how to bring about a greater understanding to do with it. it. It actually meant that he could see outside of the normal constraints of others. Now, I am well aware that many people say that Albert actually uh, rubbished his own work and he did, actually, on purpose, because he didn't want people to actually discover what he truly discovered. 
Why? Uh, because it was too dangerous. He decided it was just too dangerous that human beings were really too unreliable. <laughs> I believe that. He was spot on, <laughs> on that, I tell you. Well, no, and, it, and he was able just to completely... You see, that, that's, another, I, that's another... That's ahead, fantastic. That's exactly what um, it would take. You you cannot come up with a, you know, the the, the theory of uh, relativity or the theory of all things. Well, if you're an engineer... Un, un, unified theory, yeah. uh, unified field theory, um, yes. without w thinking, uh, you know, in, oh, yeah. in the Discovery Channel way. Yeah, exactly. And it, like I was just saying, if you're an engineer, you know, you were raised... You know, perfectly healthy, normal person. You grow up, you become an engineer. You might be you, able to design a beautiful building. That you can, yeah, you might make you might make a nice bumper on a car. You know, right? Because but how are you going to come up with a unified th field theory? Yeah, exactly. Or things, the the inventions that he, you know, the things that he invented on top of that too. Uh, I mean, these yes, were, of course, they were all things that were way ahead of their time. They're still being used today. For well, and Tesla with with uh, you know from well, the Tesla electricity. Is yeah. Tell, can you please tell me about Tesla? Because I am a, <laughs> I, I'm, I, I hate to, well, you know, Tesla, I love Tesla. For example, they, yes, yes. Well, for example, my dear friend uh, Nikolai Tesla, he he actually has in, had invented within uh, 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 both. I understand to do with his uh, situation of his laboratory in uh, New York, as mm -hmm. well as previous places and establishments that he had. He had actually developed ways of. Uh, being able to send electricity from one place to another place using uh, radio waves. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So that meant that he was able to send it without cables or mm -hmm. wires. Mm -hmm. And that he actually was the forerunner of uh, making uh, that as a, a, a formidable way of transferring energy from one place to another. Now, also, he had been working and is still working, incidentally, with a team of Japanese uh, uh, automobile manufacturers, I understand. He is actually working on the next generation of uh, vehicles which don't use the same kind of, of uh, situation of combustion. Well, no wonder the Japanese are kicking our butts all over the market <laughs> in the automobile industry. Well, do you know they also said that Tesla used to talk to, I, I don't know, this could be rumor, but he used to talk to aliens. Well, no, right? that, that, that was one thing that, that was, yeah, that we, I know we both read that, that aliens, there were some of his laboratory assistants um, heard him. Talking, talking with aliens were up those, in his laboratory by himself. Were those aliens or were those his, his spirit guides or was it just the way he created they were his spirit friends. Mm -hmm. Yes, they were his spirit friends. The point is, my dear friend, we're all aliens. Well, the, yeah. 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 You understand. I mean, to say, uh, very well, I was Gregory Hay, born 1705, past 1723. Mm -hmm. I was, uh, uh, had a physical body. And so do all of you have a physical body. And at one point, so you are born of the earth and you pass of the earth. But still it is that your spirit is essentially alien, it is essentially a part of that which is God, which doesn't come from this place here where you are, but from somewhere completely different and completely in a different dimension because it's the dimension of is. And that's what we call the power of God, you might call it. I, I don't want to be religious here because it yeah. isn't about religion mm -hmm. because religion doesn't exist in the spirit world. So it's not something which is actually defined by this kind of class or caste system that mm. you 
uh, have at present upon your physical world. Well, yeah, and I, you know, we've heard that. I've heard that, you know, there is a, the class system we have here, and, you know, we've heard that, and I think, and I, I believe that, that once you leave here, wherever it may be, um, you know, all those things don't matter, you know, and there's that saying, and uh, you know, it's always on a big 4x4 four four truck uh, that has huge tires and flags all over the place, so, you know, mm. he, he, he with the moist toys wins or whatever, you know, and it's like, I look at that and I laugh because I'm like, man, even I know, and I'm like as open-minded as they come, I have to take all this information that, that that's stupid. <laughs> what? Know, it's not, it's well, not, you know, following up on that, that's Gregory, class right there, Gregory. Um, following up on on that, he who you know, the, he who dies what, with the most the, toys wins. What what is then happiness? How, uh, is it is, is it something that when you know, like like now, of course, you, we know Scott's going to take the Akashic reading. He's probably going to listen to it 500 times, <laughs> undoubtedly, and he's going to learn from it, right? He's going to take this and he's going to, how, did this, how does this work in my life? Is it going to help me? When, how can I put this to use and, and what yes. can I learn next? And, and I'm seeking and, and, you know, because he is a seeking and yes. a learner. And so he's going to do this. And, and I know this, he's, he's going to do this. And, and he is, all, I think he's on, on the whole, fairly a happy guy. Um, yes. And but what is happiness? Because there are people, uh, and I know some people, they're miserable. Are just miserable, and there's nothing yes. you can do to make them happy. What's happiness? What What does it feel like? Is it what we experience when we're sitting there watching a butterfly flit along the the, the breeze? What What is happiness? Happiness is recognition of the beauty of self and the beauty of everything. That is real, true happiness. So when you admire something, whatever it is, a slug, a snail, a woodlouse, whatever it is, any kind of creature, any kind of beautiful thing that inspires your life, any uh, vista, whatever it is, how, how you, you may respond to a speech or to uh, someone who tells you a joke or a story, the laughter that you have in your life, that is something which creates energy. And energy is something that not only comes from you, but is attracted to you by your positivity. My dear friend Doug, you were saying about people who were extremely negative and porous, that they feel so sorry for themselves. And they feel that way because of the attraction of energy, which they have become used to. If you look at a person like this, what they are doing is when you as a happy being come into their vibration, you feel as though all your happiness vibration is being sucked out of you by their vampirish uh, uh, sort of negative trait, if you like. And what actually they are going through is a deeply seated negative spiral which is controlled by their chemical reactivity of their physical state. So when you see a person who is extremely negative, it's not necessarily that something has happened bad to them in their lives, but they are reflecting upon other negative traits and other negative situations which have stirred up this chemical hornet's nest which uh, is within them. Okay. So my, yes. dad, my dad's cranky. <laughs> I have to say, <laughs> but he's not I mean, unhappy. That's a different thing, my dear. Yeah. Well, no, he, he's not unhappy by any means. But what you just no, said, exactly. what you said, Gregory, he's just was. Cranky. 
He's <laughs> yeah. Well, what I what you just said is that you know it's a it's a series of things that they 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 are experienced what they experience that they, they yeah. react to. And my dad, yeah, he's cranky because he's, he's overreactive. Yeah, oh God, is he? <laughs> yes, exactly. So, so my dear friend, but that's actually because he feels powerless, and that is why he's overreactive, because he's trying to actually recompensate for his lack of energy and actual ability to, to change his course of life. It's simply because he's lost the actual rule book. He forgets how it is to actually facilitate change in his life, which is why he reacts the way he does. And I was just going to say to you, Scott, that what we had forgotten to tell you, or had not come to, really, was to how for you, how you can actually make with your spirit is a very uh, a quick and easy situation, solution, takes just 15 minutes in any one day. Mornings are best, but we don't say that as a rule, because we don't want you to uh, be strict within your life. Mm-hmm. What you would do then is you would take some sips of water, sit in a nice straight back chair. We, you would just allow your thoughts to dissipate and be gone. Understand that instead of you just reacting to your life, you need to command your intelligence. You need to command your consciousness. And by doing that, by meditating, you will actually enable yourself to do that. And what you have to do is to, uh, quite simply, when thoughts come, you just let them go. Thoughts come, you let them go. Thoughts are born in your mind. They're attracted to you through memory, through situations on previous days. And what human beings tend to do is because they're so busily obnoxious about their own lives that they tend to uh, just think of other past situations that helps them to relate to what's happening to today. So it means to say that for many people, they go backwards in their life, and each day becomes a struggle. Now, what you need to do is to actually gain command of your conscious state. That's the thing that you struggle with mainly. And it's because of the fact that your mind fires off on different sparks that it it actually becomes uh, not fluid. It's it's a a, a bit erratic. Very jerky, jerky. like kind of jerky, Gregory? Yes. Well, okay. quite so, yes. Uh, so you have, uh, sometimes, my dear friend, you have situations when uh, lots of different thoughts come in at once and you actually struggle with trying to deal with it all because uh, sometimes you have this uh, illumination, great illuminations of thoughts and ideas, but they all come in at once and they're very uh, haphazard and, and uh, not in order. So what we need you to do is to try and find a little more order and to enable that to happen, you need to learn to meditate so that you gain control of your conscious mind. This will allow you then to be able to stop uh, 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 having your shoulders up by your ears and actually being able to relax and actually being able to be comfortable in your own skin. How, How long for? Oh, just 15 minutes, no more than that. I'm not asking you to sit for hours and hours. It would bore you silly anyway. <laughs> well, he, he I'll, I'll wouldn't, tell you this, Gregory. And you've been trying to learn to meditate for a while, and yeah, I think we'll get on I know, but that's, it's pointless, absolutely pointless, because you're trying to, 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 
to run before you can walk. You don't need to do all of that anyway. It's completely pointless. All you need to do is sit for 15 minutes. That's it. And just chill and, out and, and just let the thoughts come off of my body. And then just dissipate. Just Sylvie. allow the thoughts, pay the thoughts less attention. Try it. And you also need to use exactly the same situation if you suffer from some kind of illness or perhaps a, a, a pain or something like that a, a, of some part of your physicality. Mm. Use the exact same thing, that you apply the pain as a thought, register it as a thought in your consciousness, then pay it less attraction, less attention after you have... Uh, become aware of the pain, which gives you ultimate attraction, you then learn to use the opposite effect, which is paying it less attention, less attraction, means that it will dissipate and be gone. And you won't need to take drugs or, or whatever, alcohol or whatever, in order to deaden the pain of your life, because you'll actually be in control of it. And, I, and I'm really working. I mean, I really, Doug knows. You can ask Doug. I really stay away from as many drugs. I mean, I really he don't does now. I That's don't, true. I, I don't. Yes, really I know that. I, I was really not. I was not inferring anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sylvie, we have like. Present life. We have like but a I'm minute just, and a half I'm left. I'm just trying to so. use it respect, retrospectively so that you understand what the mechanic is behind it. Yes, I agree. Gregory, uh, unfortunately, God, we're, we we got to... Uh, I don't right, want we're, to. We're right I up to the end of the show. show. God, this pisses me off. <laughs> ah! Let it go. But no, I, I do want to say real quick, um, Gregory... Um, this show's kind of been slanted towards me, which I, I you know, and I appreciate. And, and I think that's I appreciate you, people, you doing that. You you allowing that, Doug. That's very cool. I think it's amazing because uh, we we got to really talk in depth about an, an, an acacia greeting, yeah. uh, by Gregory, um, uh, and just absolutely fantastic. Gregory, and I want yeah. I have to thank you so much. Yeah, you're a dear friend of ours, Gregory. We only get to talk every once in a while, but um. The stuff you, I know the stuff that we discuss, it's probably more than I discuss with most people I know in my, my, my physical life. So, yeah. uh, you're a dear friend and we really appreciate you coming in here and talking to us whenever you get, you know, whenever we can pull it together. So thank you, Gregory. Yes, with love and light, my dear friends. God bless upon your journeys. Thank you, Gregory. Thank you. Uh, and Sylvie. Um, we didn't get to talk to you that much. <laughs> hey, no, that's absolutely fine. It's two o'clock in the morning here. Yeah, okay. I'm okay with that. <laughs> well, thank you for. St I know you guys in England. It's late right now, and we thank you both. Um, and Mick especially too. Yes, thank him up. when he returns. Yes. Thank um, you. don't don't hang up yet, Sylvie. Le leave the line open for just one moment. Uh, we're just going to close okay. the show real quick. We'll be right with you in one second. Yeah, hang out for one second. Um, I want to okay. I want to throw out the website one more time. www.spirit and then a hyphen teaching.com thank you uh, Mick and Sylvie Avery and of course uh, the charming and incredibly insightful Gregory uh, and this has been an emotional I mean you guys aren't you, seeing my reactions here but Doug it has, has been emotional I've been kind of choking back here a little bit when the, from some of the stuff I've heard I'm not lying I'm being dead serious and we spoke to uh, of course Chad Lambert uh, killtherevisionist.com uh, about his upcoming uh, yeah yeah uh, good to talk project. to Chad again we didn't get to talk to Todd Sheets but well Todd, Todd called a couple times during the show here in my uh, cell but we're in the middle of Nightwatch, Gregory. It's so. nightwatchshow.com. Of course, there's no show next weekend. We we're are out. going to be we're, at we're Waverly Hills Coast Sanatorium in, in uh, Louisville, Kentucky. You guys, thank you for listening, and yeah. thank you, everybody, for participating. Uh, until next week, this has been Ghostly Talk. I've been Doug. I've been Scott L. And thank you again to Gregory. Hopefully, I think he's uh, a lot of help.
The greatest story ever told about Christmas has been kept secret from the masses. There is a lot more to the story of Christmas than people know. Some Christian historians have found different pagan dates and rituals that have been tied in with our modern version of Christmas. They have missed the entire intention of the ancient Jubilees and have all but killed the spirit of peace on earth, goodwill toward men that the angels sang 2,000 years ago. Our guest tonight is Glenn Kimball, and the website is www.kimballcollege.com. Yeah, he was just here not too long ago. Exactly. <laughs> Welcome back to Ghostly Talk, Glenn. Well, it's always fun to be with you guys. Well, you know, the, we, yeah, you were just on the show here, uh, you know, like last month, and uh, we, I was, you know, if you go to uh, KimballCollege.com, there is just a host of, of educational things that, that Glenn works on, and one of them what, that I was just scrolling around looking at as I was looking at Glenn's site last month, and I come across Christmas, the real story, and I was like... <gasps> You know, this is so topical, topical obviously, exactly. yes, yeah. so why don't we run with this thing, so, you know, and just the season, you know, we all have our own outlooks on how Christmas, is, you know, how we want Christmas to be, mm-hmm. some people are very religious about it, some people just kind of enjoy the whole, the whole fun, the shopping, the whole, the, the whole light, product the line, giving, whole, you know, the, the new stuff. I yeah. love Fashion. all of it. Yeah, you know, I mean, it's, I, it's, I consider it a pretty fun time of year. I mean, but you get to see your family. That's my big thing, is just to see my family. I never mm. get to see them anymore, so. But underneath it all, it does, I mean, at, you know, on all the banners and everything, it does say, peace on earth, goodwill toward men. Mm-hmm. That is, like, the under, an underlying theme of Christmas. Yeah, yeah. And I don't know how peaceful, how much peace or goodwill I feel. Well, nowadays, it's like, well, you know... <laughs> I'm going to sound like a jerk saying this, I think. I'm really going to sound like a jerk saying this, but whatever, you know. Uh, I do, I give. I give unconditionally all the time. Mm-hmm. And one of the things that I do get kind of grinded on every year is it seems like it's getting more and more intense, um, especially that I've, you know, I've been doing Christmas shopping for a little, you know, this season. I'm, I'm at it. I'm doing my thing, mm-hmm. you know. Um, and every store I've been to so far, they all want me to give to somebody or give to something along with buying their special card, you know, their cult card they mm-hmm. have that will give you discounts. But they're all like, do you want to give to this thing? Do you want to give to that thing? I'm like, dude, I just want to get the hell out of here. <laughs> right? So, you know, I'm going to totally get grinded for that probably. You know, you're a bastard and you're just greedy. I'm like, no, I agree. You know, you know, we do a lot of things. I think we give for the well, show, for example, enough. You know, but there's other things we give into also. So, so okay, so that's the modern version, the commercialism, and then the and then they're well, trying to force you into being a good person or whatever by, you know, give to our chosen. Charity, well, you should be giving. I think stuff. you should be giving all year long. You shouldn't wait till the end of the year to try exactly. to atone for all the crap you've done all year long. Give all the time. But be a what, decent person all the time. But what Glenn can help us? Yeah, with is, is yeah. What was the original intention? How has it become, you know, commercialized over the years? Uh-huh. Um, and well, and, you know, well, there's and oh, Glenn. Obviously, you know what we're feeling inside. You go out into the stores as well. Yeah, I, I do, and. Uh, you know, I, I think we end up doing what we want to do. I think Christmas has evolved uh, to to become exactly what uh, we have wanted it to become, um, a, a time of the year when we do meet together, a time of the year when we can we can let our hair down, and, mm-hmm. and uh, the rest of the year we, we tend to raise money to solve our own problems. Uh, at Christmas time, we tend to think of somebody else, and, and uh, that may seem commercial to people, uh, I think any time we have a, a moment 
to remember Jesus uh, and what he stood for mm-hmm. uh, is a good thing. But, you know, the, the original, we tend to think that the original Christmas <clears throat> started right after Jesus was born. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And that's simply not the case. Uh, um, the original Christmas celebrations, uh, the original remembering of December 25th, started back at the time of Nimrod. Uh, King Nimrod built the Tower of Babel. Okay. Uh, as a matter of fact, the most famous uh, relief, stone carving relief that we have from Babylon today of Nimrod, he has, it depicts him with wings on his back, a fir tree in one arm, and a flying reindeer in the other arm. Oh. And this is this is over 2,200 years B.C. And so we've really borrowed a lot of that Christmas motif from him. Uh, Jesus was never born on December 25th, but Nimrod was born on December 25th. Interesting. Oh, so, well, first of all, I want to ask you about this, because you mentioned Nimrod. Um this is tying in with the Masons now a little bit, because if, if I remember correctly, part of the Masonic ritual, or what I've been told the Masonic ritual is by certain people, is that one of the things they, they're, they, well, Nimrod is kind of like the Masons, like, head guy. Like, I guess the Mason is Jesus. Um, well, am I correct? I, I, I'm pretty sure I'm correct on that. Am well, I, the, 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 uh, Nimrod was the nemesis for the original Masonic order. Okay. Now, if, yeah. you, if you look at if you look at the Masonic yes, order today, and you mm-hmm. look at the, a Shriner ring, mm-hmm. or or you look at the ceremonial swords that the Masons use, mm-hmm. it all has a great big G on it. Yeah, and that G stands for genealogy, from what I understand. That is not true. That's not true. Okay, tell me no, what it stands, stands for. for. It stands for the word gibblemite. Oh, okay. See, I heard it. There's different things. You see, what I'm saying this stuff's going. Okay, I'm all right. And the gibblemites were. Uh, the original Magi, now you, you're starting to see the Christmas connection here. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. The Gibblemites were the original uh, fraternal order of the Magi uh, from the time, uh, a long time ago, from even before Adam and Eve came to the earth. Uh, um, the Magi were an ancient fraternal order of priesthood who had the power to move great big stones, who had the power to navigate the stars. They, they're the ones that knew about astronomy. They're the ones that knew about quantum mechanics. They're the ones that knew about uh, uh, how to plant things uh, in difficult uh, agricultural areas. Uh, these ma- this fraternal order of the Magi were, were, the, were the, the holy priests at the time of Nimrod. Uh, they were a worldwide fraternity because they learned how to navigate with the stars. As a matter of fact, uh, in Great Britain, the Magi, when the Romans went to conquer Britain in 40 B.C., mm-hmm. they gave a name to the Magi. They called them Druids. Oh, okay. <laughs> wow. They changed it. But this G on the on the ring was a very much a uh, a, a holy or a, or a religious symbol depicting a uh, the original uh, priesthood order of the Magi or the Gibblemite. Uh, the Gibblemite fraternities and uh, were were coveted because of their craftsmanship, mm-hmm. because they learned how to do things with stone, 
and that's why that they were very much a part of the Pharaonic or the Egyptian uh, fraternity until the time of the Exodus. Um, when they were released, then they let the tribal councils go, and they escaped. The thing we don't realize about that particular event was that why most of the people had to go through the Sinai under the leadership of Moses, uh, Mo uh, there was a group of them that left on a boat on the Nile, out through, stopped off in Macedonia, left a great big pile of loot from the pharaohs in Macedonia, where you can go see it in the museum today. Mm -hmm. It's still available today. And they sailed out to find peace uh, around the out through the Rock of Gibraltar, and they landed in Spain. And when they got to Spain, uh, these people under the under the leadership of Gathelas and his wife Scota landed on the Spanish border, and they were mercenaries who had fought alongside Moses in the Ethiopian Wars. When they came, uh, the Spanish took offense because they saw this great big uh, army landing on the shore. Mm -hmm. The Spanish lost a little uh, skirmish there, and so they gave this group of people, these mercenaries, a, a land. They called it the Port of Gathelas, or the Port of Portugal. Interesting. So and then, go ahead. Then their families migrated for peaceful purposes because they didn't want to keep fighting the Spanish. They went up and took their 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 families to a place called uh, Eberland or Ireland, and they ultimately ended up settling a country that they named after the great Queen Scota or Scotland. Oh my goodness. So this, this is, is a history that we need to know about. Arthur C. Yeah. Clarke talked about it, you know, and, and before he died, and 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 uh, people like um, um, uh, the famous psychiatrist. Um, uh, oh, I forgot. Carl Jung and uh, Carl Jung. Yep. Uh, Freud. Freud. Sigmund, Sigmund Freud. Freud. Okay. Sigmund Freud wrote about it. <clears throat> And so we're not talking about something that's news here. Mm -hmm. We're talking about something that's been very old, but we have refused to countenance in our day. <clears throat> because we, we tend to write the history of, of England via British, uh, via Roman historians rather than via what really happened in Great Britain. Had a great deal to do with Christmas. Mm -hmm. Because by the time Christ came into the world, they had been forced to celebrate the birthday of Nimrod for centuries and they refused to allow any of their jubilees to be any birthday whatsoever. And so the birthday of Jesus was an anathema to them, and we didn't adopt celebrating the birthday of Jesus until 533 A.D., when Dionysius Ignatius, a Scythian a monk, uh, was asked by the Roman Empire to reestablish or to, to hold the 500-year centennial of the death of Jesus and his birth being roughly 33 years prior to that, mm -hmm. he, he, he's the one that put the zero in the in Julian calendar and gave that honor to the birth of Jesus, which is obvious to everybody. Everyone knows that. They just mm -hmm. didn't know when it occurred. Mm -hmm. 
and and he had to reach back in history and find out what 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 day should they celebrate because by the time of 533 AD they had forgotten the actual birthday of Christ and so they celebrated what what their ancestors had been forced to celebrate which was December 25th uh, the birthday of Nimrod and by the way when he died uh, his his he had married his mother when his he he'd actually murdered his father. Well, whoa, whoa, whoa. we're talking about we're talking about Nimrod right now, right? Nimrod murdered his murdered his dad and married his mother. So I was like, uh, okay, that's Jesus. We got a real issue to talk about here, man. Yeah, this sounds like a <laughs> no. Shakespearean tragedy. No, yeah, no, this is, this is Nimrod we're talking about. <laughs> yeah, all right. Yeah, and, and so and, and his mother when he died, uh, she said that the <clears throat> that out of a stump grew a fir tree overnight and that he would return every December 25th and fly around this tree with eggs on it, which were round balls, you know, to symbolize fertility, Mm -hmm. that he would come back and he would leave presents under the sacred fir tree. Ah, okay. Another time. That's where we get the flying Santa Claus coming back December 25th. And this was Nimrod. Nimrod's the one who was responsible for this. Nimrod's the one that's totally responsible for that part of the practice of Christmas. Wow. So how then can the, you know, because obviously this has a lot to do with uh, the church, right? I mean, you know, the the Christian church and, um, uh, you know, the Catholic church and everything. I mean, it's it's a huge deal. Christmas is a huge deal in the United States. And, Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and, um... Uh, and and it's all, it, a lot of it is religious based, but some of it is now you know been washed Just away. Just a celebration of goodwill and all that, you know. But in how general. can the, the church look at this and say, "Oh, hey, here's what we're going to do. We're going to have this Christmas festivity, mm-hmm. you know, and then know that it was based on all this stuff. Why wouldn't they move it or change it? I mean, and I'm talking back in the you know late 1800s, early 1900s. I mean, obviously." Right now, it would cause the big. I'm, a, I'm just wondering why why it had to be realist. What was the reasoning why this stuff was all reestablished? Why couldn't they just go with the original story? I mean, it isn't. Yeah, if they were selling, it obviously isn't as friendly of a story. <laughs> well, well, well you, you ask a good question, but you got to remember that they moved the center of Christianity to Rome. Yeah, mm-hmm. and and Rome already had all of these holidays from Nimrod and all these. They they call them pagan holidays, but mm-hmm. they really. Uh, I, I I really resent this idea that we we label things pagan and Christian and Judaism. I mean they they were originally all one thing, mm-hmm. uh, and and we we use pagan almost like we need to name call you know uh, something that's not our classic beliefs uh, and that it's for some reason it's it's bad 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 because mm-hmm. somebody else believed differently than we did mm-hmm. uh, and and I. I Calling someone pagan is like calling someone Islamic terrorist. You know? <laughs> <laughs> it, it's true. There is a negative connotation. Well, yeah, when you say the word pagan... Uh, in it, mainstream yeah. uh, America, there is a negative connotation to pagan, although I do know... Although there are people that welcome that title. I do know yeah. a lot of people who 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 are proud. They're I'm I'm pagan and proud. There's and bumper stickers. I've seen a bumper sticker yes, that says exactly. I'm pagan and proud. So, yeah. I mean, the, the connotation just in mainstream America, because that's what's forced, you know... Down our throat. Yeah, yeah. Well, well, the druids of our day are are earth worshippers or nature worshippers, 
the Druids of the time of Christ were not uh, nature worshippers per se. Uh, they were very much uh, involved in in uh, in in Christianity or or in in knowing who Jesus was. They were the people. They were the Magi who visited the birth of Jesus. For heaven's sake! Right, right. <laughs> You know, we we can say what we want, but they were intimately connected with that, and they had been for thousands of years prior. Even the ones from Great Britain had been involved in that that scenario for thousands of years prior to to the birth of Christ, uh, and and there's no question about it. Uh, these people these people had expected the coming of the Great One. Uh, Nimrod wanted to make himself the Great One. And they wanted to force people to celebrate Christmas to make him that uh, antecedent for the Great One prophecies, mm-hmm. uh, uh, which means that the prophecies did exist. Mm-hmm. Uh, the the legends existed that a Great One would come. You know, um, pardon me. That's just that's we all came from a similar source, be it Buddhism, Hinduism, Judaism, Islamism. Uh, uh, Christianity, mm-hmm. we all came from a common religious or metaphysical source, or, or uh, etc. And and for us to point fingers at each other, we have to point fingers at ourselves because we're no more we're no more perfect celebrators of of the day of Christ or the coming of the Great One than than the other religion is. You know, I mean, they they have a piece of the puzzle as well. Uh, and until you we accept that, we cannot. We we end up not knowing what happened because the rest of the puzzle is in somebody else's backyard, you know. Mm-hmm. And that that's the problem with Christmas. Christmas is an amazing thing because before uh, they they wrote the book uh, The Christmas Carol, uh, Christmas in Great Britain resembled more Halloween than it did Christmas. Uh, it it was always a time for gift giving and remembering the poor, but the poor would go from house to house. They would knock on the house of those who, uh, of people who had nice homes, and they would ask them if they could stay there the night, and just in 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 remembrance of the what G- Joseph and Mary knocking at the inn, you know, mm-hmm. and needing a place to stay the night Jesus was born. Yep. They would do that, and if they didn't allow the people from the street to occupy their house for a day, then they would perform some sort of tr- a trick on them. <laughs> <laughs> And so the original the original practices of Halloween, which it kind of broke off and spun off and became our Halloween, mm-hmm. were were originally uh, Christmas celebrations or very very similar to Christmas celebrations. And it wasn't until uh, the writing of the book The Christmas Carol that we began the modern day practices of what we see in terms of Christmas in our day. I frankly like Christmas. It's a I, I've enjoyed this since I was a kid. I get a different feeling at the time of Christmas. It gives me a chance to, an excuse to see my family uh, and to be and to to love and care about them. Oh and, yeah. And so what if I if if I buy him a present? There isn't a guy who's bought more presents for people in his life than me, and I love the practice. No, I'm the same way with that. Um, just <clears throat> a few months ago. Uh, for example, when it comes to just kind of tugging at the heartstrings, I was at my folks' house, and we were going through all of these old Christmas heirlooms that we've 
collected over the years, namely a lot of Christmas ornaments and stuff mm-hmm. like that, um, that are like 20, 30 years old, some of these things are. Um, really delicate. You've got to be really careful with mm-hmm. them. But these are like, you know, my mom's like, you know, well, you know, we're getting, we're too old for this kind of thing now. We don't like doing the Christmas tree thing, but you're starting to do that now. So, you know, maybe you should start taking some of these things. So I did, and I have like this, and I grow, I was going through these things, and literally it was like one of those things where I'm like, oh my God, we're, oh my God, mm-hmm. wow. I remember when I made this thing at school, mm-hmm. and, you know, all these memories come out, and it's like, it's a beautiful thing. And yeah, I mean, of course, like I said a few minutes ago, the family thing, you know, times are tough. We're all working a lot of hours now trying to keep up and stuff like that. So, yeah, I mean, you know, seeing the family, spending time with your family, getting some laughs, catching up, it's a great thing. So, yeah, you know, even if, I mean, we're still going to cover a lot of stuff here. We're not done yet. <laughs> but, you know, I think people should keep that in mind, and I, that's how I feel about it, too. It's a great time of year um, that I have a lot of great memories I look back on and laugh about. You know, I think I've told told some of those stories mm-hmm. here. Maybe, well, go ahead, Glenn. Glenn go we, ahead. Need, we need to think about the glass being half full mm-hmm. rather than the glass being half empty yeah, yeah. here. Uh, er, almost every single one of the traditions that we celebrate in, at Christmas time has a root in truth. Mm-hmm. Uh, I mean, even right down to the angels singing uh, in the heavens with the with the shepherds. Mm-hmm. Uh, you'd think that if such a miraculous event happened in the open public, that there'd be some sort of independent record from a disinterested party and have recorded that in history. Well, guess what? Mm-hmm. There is. And where is that? <laughs> well, let me explain where it is. Okay. Uh, the Sanhedrin, who was a disinterested party with Jesus, for heaven's sake, they're the ones that uh, fomented the crucifixion of Christ. Mm-hmm. They, they didn't, uh, Herod and, and Annas, the family of Annas and Caiaphas, were, were the ones that didn't want him to appear at all, and there's reasons for that, but that's a Thanksgiving topic, or an Easter topic. <laughs> uh, they had 70 members in their council. That When these shepherds heard the angels' choir singing in the hell, peace on it, in, in the mountains, uh, hills, peace on earth, goodwill toward men, they didn't believe it. So they sent a an investigator out to try and root out the source of these rumors that were going everywhere at the time. Mm-hmm. This investigator went out, and he interviewed the actual shepherds who had seen this great thing and some of the local community members, and he took, he took test of, uh, eyewitness testimonies and accounts, wrote them down, and certified them and brought them back to the Sanhedrin, and they were placed as part of the permanent record of the thousands of documents that were preserved by the Sanhedrin. Mm-hmm. Well, those Sanhedrin records went into Turkey, and eventually wound, some of them wound up in the Vatican, and that particular document, which was the eyewitness accounts, explained the whole thing about the angels singing and how the music seemed to roll down the hills like an ocean wave, has surfaced in our day, and we got a perfect copy of it. Mm. And it comes from a disinterested party. And what a story that is. <laughs> well, yeah. I can only imagine. I mean, I, you want to have a Christmas thrill that'll chill your spine? Go to my website and mm-hmm. get The Witness of the Shepherds. It is. <laughs> 
It's the it's the Christmas story of all times. And that's on, that's on your website, KimballCollars.com? Yeah, it's there. It's, Go check that out, people. I didn't invent it. It's been around for 2,000 years. I think it would be a pretty good story. I'd have a good story to tell if I, you know, I come out. I'm not a shepherd by any means, uh, but if I did come out of my, you know, the winery here, the haunted winery and saw the angel singing somewhere like out on the street i think i'd have something an interesting story to tell too <laughs> i'd, I'd well, be blown i'd be yeah. blown away I'd, yeah I, I i don't think i'd have actually i wouldn't have much to say because i'd be standing there going uh <laughs> it's, it's like it's like if they ever if they ever have nuclear war i'm going on the roof with a a glass of something to watch it happen. Well, that's what the shepherds kind of did. <laughs> if they sat in their fields, which was not on December 25th, mm -hmm. because they would not be watching their flocks by night in the fields with the lambs mm -hmm. in the winter time. The lambing season was in the springtime. Yeah. <laughs> and so Jesus was born literally under in the in the epic of time called the sign of Pisces, or the fish. Yeah, that's both the Doug and I. <laughs> We're born. And so he was yeah. born in April. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's, that's and, like the tail end of it, too. <laughs> For lack had, of a, no, no pun intended, either, on the fish thing. Yeah. <laughs> this, this idea of celebrating uh, December 25th is really celebrating the Sun Pause Day. Uh, the, the equinox occurs the 21st and 22nd, where... Mm -hmm. Uh, but for three days, the astronomers couldn't see the days getting, couldn't detect or measure the days getting longer mm -hmm. until December 25th. So they would celebrate the days beginning to get shorter on the Sun Pause Day, which was December 25th, which happened to be the day that Nimrod was born. Mm -hmm. uh, and that's where we get we get December 25th. But Jesus no more was born on. The, December 25th than I was, you know. Um, <laughs> well, I, I don't think historians could go back that far. I think there were dinosaurs or something, amoeba floating in the ocean. I don't know. What <laughs> this is great. Why don't we take a quick break here, Glenn? Uh, I think we really covered a lot of the good, like a lot of the immaterial, the ideology, a lot of these things. We got into some real deep stuff. Why don't we take a quick break, though? On the other side of this break, though, what, I, what I'd like to get into is maybe some of the more material things that we know about that, you know, that, that associate us with Christmas, like the Christmas tree or Santa Claus or these things. Would that be cool with you, Glenn? Good. Fantastic. You know, we can get into these things. I think people will really get a kick out of this stuff, too, to hear you know, the origins. And we talked about Santa Claus years ago here That's on the show. Uh, yeah. I mean, I'm talking like way back in the beginning of the show, the days of the show. So it'll be, it'll be good for like another refresher for the old school listeners and something new for the new listeners or whatever you, you want to call it. All right, this is Ghost to Talk. I'm Scott Allen. And I'm Doug. And I'm Bonnie. Merry Christmas. Happy holidays. All that good <laughs> stuff. We'll be right back after this.
We're talking to Glenn Kimball of www.kimballcollege.com about, well, the season. We're yeah. talking about Christmas time and the... The well, this is the last show. Be- yeah, this is yeah. the last show before you know before Christmas, and uh, you know we don't really celebrate. I mean, I don't think we ever really celebrated Christmas too much on the show here. I mean, it's just I don't know. We just kind of hammered through every year, just pushed through like nothing was happening because you know we're just we're on a mission here, you know. So <laughs> there's nothing can distract That's us from untrue. doing the show. We used to have a Christmas party every year. Yeah, but it wasn't part of the show though. It was just something no, we'd go and get loaded and make fun of each other and <laughs> paint, be in. That it would be a Saturday night, and then we'd be in pain for the show the next day, but we'd never tell you that. That so. must be what Christmas means to us. <laughs> Getting drunk and complaining. Get loaded, and I complain about everybody who was at the party. Not what it means no. to me, but well, go ahead. Well, some, some of these... Go ahead, Doug. But no, it's... Um, but what's interesting is we, we haven't delved in a long time into... You know, the different meanings behind Christmas. The, you well, know, the we symbols, you know, the things you think about, right? Yeah, and we just talked about the actual date uh, with Glenn, you know, in the and first Jesus half hour. And, and Jesus, and, and, and I mean, how all these things tie together, it's just insane. But now, uh, we can talk about some of the other symbols that everybody's well, familiar with. Oh, yeah and, yeah. and I think that's a, a great idea, and that will help us. When, when you look at that thing, you'll know then more. It, it'll still mean what it means to you. You know, yeah, when I yeah. see a Christmas tree, I think of... Many decorated Christmas trees, you know, from for, from you know four decades. Yeah, yeah. Of uh, you know my mom and brothers and me and my dad decorating up a Christmas tree, so it'll still have that meaning to me. Yeah. Right. But now I'll know more when yeah. when I uh, you know when I see a missile. That's what it's all about, and right? I, and I try to avoid it. Yeah. I'll know why <laughs> I'm trying to. Avoid. So you know, I mean, I'll know more once Glenn tells us what what. Some of these. Well, let's talk know, about the, yeah, the Christmas tree, Glenn. What what is this thing all about? Well, the, a lot of people would suggest that we get our Christmas tree celebrations back a thousand years ago from the Germanic uh, celebrations of Christmas because they had the old Tannenbaum, you know, you sing that mm-hmm. uh, uh, back from the eighth century A.D. The the, uh, the reality is is that's that was a journey come lately too. Uh, the Egyptians were worshiping fir trees. Uh, back in 2200 years BC, and obviously uh, Nimrod uh, uh, celebrated the fir tree. But you, you got to remember that uh, Egypt and, and uh, Babylon are out there in the desert, and no wonder they celebrated the, the fir trees because they could remember epochs of time prior to the last cataclysm, when that area of the world was not a desert, mm. but a very fertile, rich. Uh, uh, area where there were lots of uh, greenery uh, growing. And, and for them to worship the fir tree is really reminiscent from uh, the Magi could remember uh, uh, this epoch of time uh, from a very long time ago that they called Mu or Lemuria. Okay. Uh, you well, know, wait a minute, Glenn. You mean to tell me that, 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 that Egypt was not always a desert? It, it, <laughs> well, I don't know. The last time I was in Egypt, and I have been in Egypt, yeah. with the Princess uh, Malik uh, as she sailed up the Nile, mm-hmm. um, I've been on her boat and the uh, <laughs> and been to dinner with all of the the, the desert uh, uh, economic ministers and politicians, etc. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and they knew very well about the fir tree. They're depicted on the walls and uh, up and down the Nile. And Abu Simbel and the, and Karnak, Luxor, and then the Ramesseum, etc. Uh, they, they were depicted very nicely there, but they are really reminiscent of a time which was called Mu. For example, uh, Rome, 
if you remember what Rome, uh, the traditions of Rome being settled, they were settled by a set of twins mm-hmm. uh, called Romulus and Remus, mm-hmm. yeah. or Ra, which is a, the sun god of Egypt, Ra-Mu-Las, and Remus, or the king of Mu, Remus. Uh, that's where those things came from, is because, uh, and they had seven hills. Well, that's not a coincidence. Uh, the seven hills of Lamuria were the ones that survived the cataclysm. Uh, not that it was Rome that was uh, the surviving entity of that, because they were really, it was really in the South China Sea when, uh, which, which had the seven isles of the blessed that survived this cataclysm that happened so very long ago. But, but we can find, we can find, uh, civilizations of men that are thousands, uh, tens of thousands of years old. Up the Khyber Pass, for example, they, we can find tombs that are, of men that are 30,000 years old. Uh, you know, where I used to live here in the Midwest, we, we found tombs of people that were, Seventy, eighty thousand years old, and people say, "Well, that denies the fact that uh, Adam and Eve came to the earth, and therefore religion must be hooey." And and my comment is, "Well, no, it isn't that, uh, because the very religious guys like Hesiod talked about the five epics of human civilization, and that Adam and Eve were just the patriarchs of the final civilization. Mm-hmm. Uh, that there had been four additional ones. If you go to the Native American Indian tribes." Uh, and look at the 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 uh, Shalom Balam and the uh, and and some of the other documents that they left. You find that they believed in all five epics of time, and that we're in the final epic of time. Um, and so th- these these civilizations existed. Uh, we've just begun to recognize the importance of Mo, the fact that and the terrain that that surrounded the lands of Mo. It, it, it's an amazing it's an amazing story of human civilization these people also had the identical religious customs that we did that we do today mm-hmm. they they believed in the coming of a great one uh we look at for example uh the sumerian traveling exposition of the anunnaki uh which uh, Car- uh, uh Zachariah Sitchin is so famous for yep mm-hmm. If you look at that statue that represents the Anunnaki really well, you look at it really closely, and you examine it, it's a man nailed to a cross. Yes, yeah. And so, you know, that's that's these are people that existed long before Adam and Eve came into the world. Um, Adam and Eve were just simply the patriarchs of a final epic of time, and their children went east, and, and some of their great-grandsons went farther east than we expected, and merged with the, with the people who had survived the final epic. By the time of Eber, which uh, the prophet Eber in the Bible, uh, and by the way, Eberland or Ireland is named after Eber. Oh. All, all people coming from Eber were Hebrews. Oh, okay. e- Ebers were Hebrews. Uh, and so when we talk about Hebrews, we're not talking about Jews. We're, Jews were just a very small part of that. Uh, there were very strong Eberites that were in China. That's why one of the first above-ground Christian churches, even before Catholicism, uh, was in China. Uh, we know that's the case. We're absolutely certain that's the case, because uh, the people from China, by the time of uh, 
of Kublai Khan, uh, he sent a letter to the Pope in the in the 13th in the 12th century that said, "Hey, look, if you need help with the with the Templars to to recover uh, the Temple Mount from the the Islamic community, let me know. I'll send you as many mercenaries as you need. The only thing I want back is I want you to send me a thousand Christian priests." Now, why in the world would a Chinese guy that's the head of a great big freaking army that conquered half the world ask for a thousand Christian priests? Because his people knew about it. His people had been practicing this. The Chinese, the written language of Chinese is so almost identical to the writing of Hebrew, it's amazing. Oh, I never thought about that. I never... Thought that those, been, two, those two cultures would have that much in common. Well, they do when there's been scientific uh, uh, lexicographers who have who have compared the two languages, and they're they're identical. You take you take the people who uh, took the original Greek alphabet, for example. Uh, you, you take alpha and omega out of the Greek alphabet, but what's the middle letter in the Greek alphabet? Mu. Oh, so it comes back again. It comes. It all comes back. We got to remember this is this is thinking of the glass half full. Mm-hmm. We we're never going to restore history if we're looking for it to come back purified and sanitized with chlor uh, with with chlorine and there's mm-hmm. no disease. Okay, all of it has a disease with it. Um, mm-hmm. Everything's contaminated. Everything's changed. Everything evolves over time. Anytime men touch something, they change it, and they they use they use it they change it because that's the way they want to do it. Mm-hmm. But that's how history gets lost. Mm-hmm. Is when you change it and it becomes different than the source document, it gets lost. I liken this to a party game. Remember the party game we used to play where you'd put ten people in a line, you'd whisper to the guy in the back something, and by the time it got to the front, it was all scrambled oh, up. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, I, I tell people, let's play the same game, but let's put ten lines in a row and whisper something to all ten people in the back. When you get to the front, you'll have ten separate stories. Yeah. But if you compare the common points of all of those resulting ten stories, you can put the original story back together perfectly. Mm, yes. And, and that's looking yeah. for the puzzle piece. Yeah, well, that, and that's, yeah. What's, that's what's happening now, essentially. Now, with the Christmas tree, though, I mean, this... Uh, be, I mean, you're, we're, we kind of we hit the Christmas tree thing. We went back to this goes all the way back. You said to Egypt that they were worshiping yes. fir trees, though, right? Am I correct? That that that's correct. And so fir trees uh, were part of the worshiping of trees. Uh, it had to evolve into the worship of palm trees because they didn't have any fir trees. Mm-hmm. So, so the worship of fir trees and palm trees kind of got mixed together, mm-hmm. and that got taken into the Picts in Germany. Uh, the, the the civilization of the Picts in Germany, because who was the guy that took it there? Gathalus, the same guy we talked about in the last half hour. Yeah, yeah. Who who went to and settled into Portugal? Uh, the, these people knew about these traditions because his wife Scota was in fact uh, the granddaughter of Joseph, who was sold into Egypt. Mm-hmm. Wow. He was he was married to a to a Israelitish uh, princess, and the, now the word Israelite is kind of interesting because you take it apart. You go Isa Ra El. Mm-hmm. Uh, his name originally was Jacob. 
Mm-hmm. Well, he got he got himself an Egyptian name. Isa was the goddess of Isis in Egypt. Mm-hmm. Ra was the sun god. Sun god, yeah. Mm-hmm. And El was the Hebrew god. So he got Isa Rael or Israel was the name of all the people who descended from Jacob who were still in Egypt. I thought that's kind of interesting. Wow. Santa Claus. we got to talk about <laughs> Santa Claus. I know it's a hell of a... We only have like, what, six yeah, we were, minutes or yeah, seven minutes? But I really left. want to talk about Santa Claus and this character. Obviously, you know, we think of Santa Claus. I mean, uh, I, Christ, I almost sat on his lap last weekend. I was at the mall with Amber, and and, and, and I'm, he was sitting there chilling with some kid, and I'm like, we should go see Santa Claus. And, of course, Amber's like, you're 33 years old, for God's sake. Who cares? I go up. see Santa every year. Mm-hmm. Me too. Good for you. I do. Good for good for you too, Glenn. All right. Well, then tell Amber that because I wanted to see Santa Claus and she said okay. no. Okay. All right. So, but this character, I mean, he's a you know a friendly, jolly character who sent, who gives us presents, right? You know, we know all the whole thing. Um, I know it's a bit of a different story, though. Uh, care to elaborate, Glenn? Well, he's he's a real, he was a real person. Saint Nicholas was born in Turkey in Lycia in Turkey. Mm-hmm. He came from an extremely wealthy merchant family. That's why uh, Saint Nicholas is still the patron of all the all sailors and all pirates and everything to do with with the ocean uh, going people, mm-hmm. uh, as well as spinsters. He used to put gold coins in kids' shoes at, at once a year, and uh, he paid the dowries of spinsters who couldn't couldn't get married because they didn't have a dowry. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, but he he got rich from uh, his family got rich and left him an orphan. Uh, he, he got rich from the fact that his family were merchants. And then when they left him an orphan as a very young man, he went and finished uh, growing up in a, in a monastery, and he became the youngest priest ever in recorded history at the age of 17. Wow. And when, when he grew up, since he became the Bishop of Mira, which was walking distance from Constantinople, mm-hmm. or Istanbul, modern-day Istanbul, mm-hmm. uh, which is very close to where Constantine organized Catholicism, uh, he attended the Nicene Council. And he was famous uh, at, at the Nicene Council. Of course, he was only walking distance from there. Uh, he was famous at the Nicene Council for punching... Arius right in the nose you know, <laughs> and knocking him right on his keister. In fact, in fact, Arius hit him in the nose and broke his nose and the body of St. Nicholas, uh, they've examined his body and he's got a broken nose. But uh, this, the reason why he punched Arius in the nose is Arius was from Africa and proposed to the Nicene Council that they include a whole bunch more scripture in the, in the canon of the Bible. And uh, St. Nicholas felt that was a really a bad idea. Uh, and so when he punched Darius in the nose, he got arrested. He spent a little time in the pokey. <laughs> oh and they had, to, they had to seek out some of the, the bishops uh, from across the Mediterranean to get him out of prison for punching uh, uh, one of the senior members of the Nicene Council in the nose. But... but St. Nicholas was a very well-respected man, uh, a very, uh, other than the fact he was feisty like me and <laughs> was ready to punch somebody in the nose, me too, <laughs> in any moment in time. Uh, uh, he, he, the, the traditions of him being a saint really went up, went, fled north into Russia, especially into the Russian Greek Orthodox faith, the Eastern Russian Greeks. In fact, there's a common saying 
in in Russia uh, that says, uh, you know, God could die and we'd still have our Saint Nicholas. You know, mm-hmm. that's a very common saying in 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 the in the Russian Greek Orthodox faith. They absorbed the Nestorian Christians from China, mm-hmm. and they all became one religion. And they had their own Bible. It was called the B Bible, B E E Bible. Uh, the symbol of Israel was always the beehive, which mm-hmm. was a very busy signal symbol. Mm-hmm. But Saint Nicholas was a very very real person who came from a very, very, very wealthy background and became the bishop, one of the most influential bishops at the Nicene Council, which create, formulated uh, Catholicism, and eventually they broke off and became the Eastern Orthodox Christian faith. And St. Nicholas became the, the kind of like the Pope of the Eastern uh, Orthodox faith, much like the uh, the evangelist Mark became the the Pope of the Coptic Christians in, in Egypt. I mean, you know, we, we had our Pope, they had their Pope, everyone's got a Pope, you know. <laughs> well, if, if, I don't, well, he was a very important person. Well, yeah, too. very important obviously, person, obviously. you know, did, uh, uh, you know, to become a... And that, well, that whole idea of goodwill, I mean, how nice, you know, how good he was, like with the whole comment, you know, God could be dead and we'd still have our same. But he was still feisty. Yeah, he was still feisty, but he was a nice guy, which is, you know, that's the whole idea of Santa Claus, even till even today, is that, you know, Santa, hey, he's a nice guy. As long as you're good, you know, he'll give you presents, but, you know. That's the whole point. Mm -hmm. You put your finger right on it, uh, that you have to be a good person in order to, to receive the presents. Uh, you can't be bad. Uh, St. Nicholas, uh, there were 20 miracles associated with him. Okay. Uh, he was, he was re, uh, these were largely miracles that happened on board of ships where he, on ships that he was riding on at the time, by the way, uh, where he saved people's lives and, and helped the mass from collapsing into the water and, and, you know, the miracles, were largely having to do with merchant merchant seamanship because that's what his family had done. Mm-hmm. But that's how he got to be raised to the level of sainthood uh, was the fact that he he was associated with twelve miracles. You had to have a miracle or you couldn't be a saint. So Saint Nicholas literally had twenty documented miracles, which are in the book. Uh, uh, the twenty miracles of Saint Nicholas that still survives in our day. I did it again. You left your cell phone on. Yeah, I'm taking a meeting. I'm sorry. Okay, no, I'm sorry about that. Okay, it's gone. <laughs> <laughs> well, so that that is absolutely interesting. So, but, but it all ties into look the, like this, or what? Like the Santa Claus, or was that the Coca-Cola? well, the red and white outfit? Was that you the know? Coca-Cola implementation of it? Well, well, the red and white outfit uh, is really the the outfit of the priestly magi, and and. And Nimrod wore it, but also Saint Nicholas wore it. Oh, interesting! Uh, these, this is the same outfit that if you go back, if if you go and see the uh, the 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 bishops as they meet in the Vatican, they still have the red and white outfit. Oh, interesting. Uh, oh, okay, it's uh, it, it's the, it comes from the same source. The long robes with the white lining around the bottom and yeah. around the collar, etc. It's it's the very same same type of thing. Uh, but when you're talking about the beard, uh, the long white beard, uh, that that's not characteristic of uh, Saint Nicholas. That's the characteristic of Nimrod. 
the relief of Nimrod that we have from Babylon that still exists in our day has him with a great big long white beard. Uh, that's more of a that's more of a facial uh, or uh, bodily comparison with Nimrod than it is of Saint Nicholas himself. Now, if you want to talk about the actual f- being fat, that's me. That's <laughs> you know, that's a, it's really interesting, though, uh, Glenn, because what what happens is you've got to dig through all these different stories and all this history and some of the history you have to find first because it's not in our books. Mm-hmm. And and you, you find these little bits and pieces. Mm-hmm. And then you can put together something that, picture, yeah. that might be a lot more realistic than, the, or that is a lot more realistic than what, what mm-hmm. we learned yeah. back in, you know, uh, well, in elementary you know school. back in commercial high school and commercial yeah. elementary well, school. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it can't be a war. You cannot, you cannot approach this thing with and begin like Mark Shermer would do and say, it's all crap. You know? <laughs> <laughs> the great Randy. I, everything's all crap. You know, I mean, yeah, I don't a, know how that guy gets along every day. I mean, <laughs> be very, I mean, his wife must think he's a real jerk. You know, <laughs> in fact, he is a real jerk. <laughs> that's just me. That's not this radio network. Don't no, blame the radio we don't care. Blame yeah. Glenn Campbell because the great Randy is the greatest jerk. The opinions uh, of Glenn Campbell are of Glenn Campbell only I mean, and not he, of ghostly he, talk. He no more could discover his way out of a paper bag because the the fact that you have to have tolerance for what people believed and look at the glass half full and compare what they believe and play the little party game and listen to what everyone's saying at the bottom end and yeah. compare it back with each other or you're never going to restore history. No, and I agree and with you on that. you're going to be doomed to repeat it again. I agree mm-hmm. with you on that 100%. And well, that's what we've I'm done. Hoping, that's what we've done for the last hour here. What was that well, I'm about? hoping for tolerance for him for Christmas. Though. Yeah, <laughs> hoping for tolerance for everybody. I think we ought to release him from Guantanamo Bay with the rest of them and let them all go back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> Unfortunately, we are we're, we're like seconds away. Um, yes. Now, thank you, Glenn, this for jo- yeah, thank you, yeah, Glenn. Thanks for joining us. Having a Christmas us. visit from you, Glenn. Yeah, uh, that's great. what a phenomenal. Fantastic. Thank you so yeah. much. Well, we need to do the Americas. <laughs> we oh. will. We will. We'll have you back on. Hang on the line. Don't leave us. Just stay. Stay. Stand by for one second, okay? Um, all right, guys. Well, here's the story. Here's what's happening now. Yes. Uh, if you've been looking at the website, uh, you'll see that the 28th of December, um, we're not, that, which is next week. Right. Okay. Uh, today's the 21st, obviously. Uh, but next week, uh, we're not going to be broadcasting. Just for the holiday here, we're going to take one day off for the holiday. Yeah. And that's going to take us through New Year's also. So we want to say to everybody, Merry Christmas and Happy New yeah, Year. Yeah, Merry Christmas to everybody out there. And, like and I'm going to be a new grandpa on the 20th. Of oh, December. congratulations. Oh, that's awesome, Glenn. Congratulations, Glenn. <laughs> that's aw- the 20th. Of, yeah, the, okay, excellent, dude. That's great to hear. Uh, good luck to you on that, by the way, also. Uh, what, a, what a present, huh? I know. That sounds... That is, there's a miracle right there. There you go. It's exactly. planned because it's one of those ones that has to be planned. <laughs> oh, I see. I got there just to turn around and reconsider everything. I'm making it up to you, I'm going. Strange emotion in her. It's for several years
promise that miracles can happen is never more certain than during the holiday season, when it really does seem that your dreams and wishes can come true. From a guardian angel who finds desperately needed a desperately needed job for a man whose wife is about to give birth right before Christmas, to a pair of grieving parents who receive a warm Christmas message from their recently departed son, these incredible but true, larger-than-life miracles celebrate the wondrous joys of this special time of year because the first Christmas and every one since is a miracle. The website is www.bradandsherry.com B-R-A-D-A-N-D-S-H-E-R-R-Y No spaces, no hyphens, just bradandsherry.com And Ghostly Talk would like to welcome Brad Steiger to the show. I'm delighted to be here. It's uh, good to have. We've been trying to get Christmas you. holiday. Yeah, it's, yeah. it's amazing. We've been. Uh, I know we've been. We've been going back and forth for a couple of years now, Brad. Uh, <laughs> yeah, trying to get true. you on the show. Um, right. It's good right. to finally have you here. I got to say, I'm. Uh, I have to say right out of the gate, um, I've uh, I've admired your work for years. So it's really great. Oh, it's an honor you. to talk to you. Because um, I mean, across the board. Uh, a lot of us, you know, that, that that are into, you know, that study the paranormal and things like that. Uh, I and I hope this doesn't offend you, but you're considered old school. I mean, you're considered one of the one of the originals that's been doing this thing for a, you know many many years. So all, you know, my hat comes off to you here on the show. I really appreciate you joining us. Well, I appreciate old school. Joshua Warren not long ago called me the great grandfather of the field. (laughs) (laughs) I kind of winced on that one. (laughs) Yeah, I wasn't going to go there. (laughs) But but then then he said, when I kind of were, ooh, you know, well, I guess that's a compliment. He said, yes, it is, but you know, Brad, that your first works appeared Four years before either of my parents were born. <laughs> oh, no. <laughs> nah, I would have been offended at that one. Hey, come on now. Take it easy. <laughs> like, hey, hey, back off. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, but your newest work, one of your newest works here for the holiday season, is Christmas Miracles, inspira- whoops, Inspirational True Stories of Holiday Magic. Um, and right. we thought this would have been... This is the perfect yeah. time. I mean, we're, we're, we're a week before Christmas, like literally days before Christmas. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, I think this is one thing I haven't... Miracles is just something... I don't. I, when I saw this topic, I'm like, we have we talked about this before ever on this show, where we've ever, we've talked about all all this crazy stuff. Not the only it's been like miracles. Right, the only miraculous thing. Did we ever talk I about it before, like way years ha- back or anything? Well, not Christmas miracles, but I I know that the only miraculous thing that we've talked about that I can think of offhand is mm. is when we didn't get hurt in that amazing accident. It was like there was oh, a yeah. team of angels watching over us at that time and everybody's angel just like got on the ball right then and there and nobody was hurt and and i think that that really was divine intervention yeah brad we this was this was years ago we had we we were to big it really quick because our listeners are going to kill us for telling the story again because we'll be like oh not again but no we um we were on our way out to uh to uh, an engagement and there was like four carloads of us on the freeway long story short the lady in who doug was in had was in the car in front of everybody he was leading the pack, and there was a lady in front of him, and she just decided to slam on her brakes on the freeway to make an illegal turn off the freeway. And we were doing oh. a caravan kind of thing, so we were all like, and, yeah. and we yeah. it was it was really close. Well, and yeah, and all the cars went out of control, and the one thing that I remember personally is we were in 
we were in uh, this yellow, we call it the canary truck, because it was a yellow Sport Escape. And, uh, and literally, I felt that there was a big uh, a car hauler, a car hauler yeah. behind us. And this guy did some of the most fantastic driving, rig driving I've ever seen. He literally just drove right around the whole, the whole accident, right? And buzzed right by our ears. I know he buzzed right by my ear as I was holding my our buddy Pete, like almost crying. We were so scared, you know. Um, oh, and I said that, that but, was a close one. But yeah. you see, so what it is is that it was it was a miracle. It was there really was, amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I and I wonder. I, I imagine a lot, lot, lot of people have have experienced that miracle, uh, or not that I mean, particular one. not quite one, but, as visceral uh, as that. But no. other ones similar. No. And, and of course, every time you um, you know go to the hospital because of a birth, I mean, that's miraculous. Mm, I mean, that, that is a wonderful so, miracle. So everybody has, has seen these things and, and heard of them, but they, you know, it, it's like the ones around Christmas, though, seem special. Cause yeah, they always yeah. get, you know, the, the you know, the... The TV shows, the books, the music, right, even the right. songs talk about the Christmas miracle. I mean, there's it's, it's just amazing, and mm-hmm. and uh, so this is very topical. The yeah, totally, days totally. before yeah. Christmas. But but let's just underline one thing, guys. Okay. Until a few years ago, that was the only time yeah. we talked about angels. Mm-hmm. Because when I, yeah, when I when I was a kid growing up. You know, well, Christmas we have heard on high, angels we have heard, and we had our little pageant plays and so forth. But no one really said, I saw an angel or an angel saved me. We've become freer now in discussing that. And I know that you saw that. Well, in fact, I think I sent it to you. (laughs) The study that was done just very shortly where 55% of Americans claim to have interacted with their angels. And that includes one in five who never go to church or never go to temple. I mean, mm-hmm. they're totally unchurched. They have no organization. But one in five Americans feel they have seen an angel or interacted with an angel. And yeah. one study at a university feels that two-thirds of Americans have said some kind of mystical experience with an angel, with a ghost, with telepathy. Now, that think of that, two-thirds. And again, yeah. he emphasized that of those two-thirds, a great majority, again, were not members of any spiritual body. So uh, we have to emphasize that this just doesn't come to Christians or Jews. This comes to everyone, the interaction with the angel, the benevolent being. Well, yeah. I mean, I, we've had things happen to us, and I, I, I have to say, if if somebody, if they had called me, if the the university and and people doing the survey had called me and said, you know, have you ever, you know, benefited from having an angel I, or whatever, I'd be, oh, absolutely, mm-hmm. absolutely, mm-hmm. because of the, you know, because of well, the because of the car wreck, the car wreck, yeah, and car and, and other yeah. things, but the yeah. the the most obvious in my life was that, well, and and I know that there. That there was, there was you know work, there wow. was work there done behind mm. the scenes that that we don't know how or why or what, but it there was work right. done there that was you know of a divine inspiration because it, it that was a, a really nasty scene and I I I will main I maintain that yes 
Well, I, I often just kind of look at general things, too. I mean, in life, I mean, yeah, that was an extreme situation that, you know, yeah. had an extreme reaction well, response I mean, everything around it. I think that was more like the billboard or the the uh, the blimp <laughs> with the well, flashing sign was saying, bad. Yeah. your guardian angel is here, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I really think so. But, and prob- as nasty as it sounds, probably right after that, your guardian angel put in for a transfer. <laughs> <laughs> She's like, oh, that's uh, a lot this of work. Is too much. <laughs> yeah, that, no, come on, I need a rest. Send someone else to watch these guys. <laughs> these ones are, these are just, they're crazy. People. Well, what I was saying though is like, just in general life, I think like day to day, I often really, and I think I've mentioned this to you also, Doug, that I just this some of the synchronicities that I experience in my life really, really just they make me laugh. Like how yeah. how could I mean. Not everything works out. Yeah, things sometimes really suck, right? But the, I've noticed a lot of things. I'm trying to look at the positive, like anybody does. And I noticed there's just some situations that I've been put in, um, especially over the last, like, three, four years, where it's like, how, how could this have not worked? This worked out so perfectly, And right? some of that, though, I think is because we're, we're, we kind of tend to pay attention to that kind of thing. Because yeah, we we're both, about we, we, well, we talk at great show. length about really, really boring things, but yeah. we really get <laughs> off on it because it's like, it worked out so well. That plug worked perfect yeah. for that thing. I mean, just, but it's these little things, and I think that's what makes, you know, well, first off, sometimes I my point was is that I think sometimes like some of these situations, I really think that there is somebody going, yeah, let me just work this for him a little bit. Let me just pull and, some strings there and make it happen. And right? I'm so glad that people are starting to talk about yeah. you know angels, divine intervention, about right. spiritu- right. spirituality in general. Yeah. Whether they whether they go to the church or not, that 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 people are starting to look. Um, beyond their own egos, yeah, and, totally. and try to you know grow and and become uh, you know more. Just pay more attention to it. I think you know not like. And, and that's that's a big step today in our ultra uber scientific world that we are able to set our egos aside. Yes. And yeah. recognize that we could be guided and guarded and protected given inspiration by beings that we can't always see, but yet, I, I love that, you know, the, the basic, one of the basic passages in the scripture is that we may entertain angels unaware. Mm-hmm. Now, how many times in your life, looking back on it, have you talked to someone, have you communicated, had you spent some time, and then maybe literally seeing that person round the corner and then say, oh, I had one more thing to tell him. You go around the corner and there's nobody there. There's nobody in sight. Mm-hmm. Or just that last minute thing when you realize, and what does angel mean? Messenger. That a messenger came to you just when you really need it. So it's, it's not always the dramatic rescue from the automobile or the train accident, but mm-hmm. it can be just something as simple as giving someone a kind word when they needed to hear yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what my point was, Brad, was just that. Like, you know, there, it isn't always about the extreme situations like we, no. were, we talked about. No. It's about these little things like, wow, you know, again, yeah, some nice interaction with somebody. Like, boy, you know, I'm really glad I bumped into you. I mean, I just had a situation about, what was it, a... Uh, well, when we were at the concert, we met Lemmy, right? Mm-hmm. We met some fantastic people. And had we not met these people, we would have lost our minds waiting nonstop for three hours, right? Doing nothing, being bored out of our boat. We met these wonderful people who really, like, just, uh, 
you know, we had a good conversation. We had fun. And by the end, we were all buddies shaking hands and hugging and stuff like that. And it's these wonderful, it is these nice things that make you feel good, you know, after you walk out of a situation like that, right? They may not be yeah. angels, but I mean, I, again, I think in some of those situations, I think that there are some people going, we need to give these people a hand. Let's let's hook something up here and take care of them, right? So, they might, may not be angels, but they may have been brought to you by angels. Point, right, point. Exactly. Subtle guidance. Exactly. That's my whole point is that, you know, there's all these things. It isn't just, you know, being saved no, out in front no. from in front of the train. It's the little things. It's it's the it is the cool stuff when somebody opens a door up for you, you know, when you're trying when you're carrying a bunch of stuff. It means a lot to people sometimes, you know. And I told people right. I tell people that all the time, like don't take these things for granted. These are the important things. The little things like opening a door up for somebody or letting Absolutely. somebody in in traffic, even though it's illegal. <laughs> letting somebody in in traffic, you know, it's still a nice gesture, waving to someone, going thank you, and thanking them too. That's important, that's right. also. I mean, that's by no means, a message. by no means, am I, am I, am I the poster boy for 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 uh, for good? Oh my God, what's what was my what's the word I'm looking for here? Good punctuality, <laughs> but, or whatever it may be. Uh, but I mean, yeah, it's these imp- it, these things are important. I think, oh, especially this time, yeah, good good manners. There's yeah. the word. Duh. Um, oh, it's important. That's, that's almost disappeared. Yeah. <laughs> no, and that's that's exactly my point. Especially this time of year when people are kind of like, you know, yeah, everybody's like, oh yeah, you know, I'm, it's the holidays, and I always kind of go, you know. It, when we talked, we we talked with Glenn. We said the same thing. I'm like, you know, yeah, this time of year, everybody's like, oh, well, we have to, you know, we have to be nice and we have to give, give, give. But it's like, why aren't you doing this all year long, man? Right. Right. So not just when you, not just when you think Santa is. <laughs> right. Exactly. Right. So you know, it is. It's the little things I think that you know that we may be guided to do that maybe these are little miracles it's i've had some crap days and i mean it just took one person to go hey dude how you doing you know and open a door up for me or do something or hey here you 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 take that last coffee yeah you know that's all good dude you 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 need the coffee you know so that's what we we try to stress uh as you know we have an entire miracle series and and, you know these are some of them are dramatic profound miracles and others are the kind of miracle you're describing you know just being gracious to someone just being kind to someone having someone being kind to you when you really needed it those are small miracles that mm-hmm. really make life significant and, and worth living you know those are the little perks we get for being human beings yeah totally and again i can't stress that enough Mm-hmm. I, well, I was trying to stress it, but I can't breathe. <laughs> but uh, somebody, something's happening there. But no, I, those are the important things. All year long. All year long. That's open right. the doors That's up. Right. Do these cool things All for, year for people. Long. You know, and it really, really helps a lot. Miracles, though. I mean, these are little miracles. These All these little things mm-hmm. happen, you know. I had a little miracle happen, you know, where I finally found a way to retrieve all my email. Yay! Right? Yay! I was so happy about it. <laughs> it was a miracle that I figured it out. That's but, you a know, technological miracle. Technological yeah. miracle. <laughs> but, you know, let's get into some of these, if you don't mind, Brett. I mean, let's, 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 no. hit, let's hit a few of these guys. I want to hear sure. some of these Christmas stories, of these Christmas miracles. Um, and I'm going to give the floor to you. I'm done. I'm getting off my soapbox and giving the floor to you, Brett. <laughs> <laughs> What what uh, Sherry and I have have done in Christmas miracles, which we're delighted. Uh, this has been out since uh, 2001, mm-hmm. and in 2002, uh, won the um, and the 
world short storytelling <laughs> contest that got a, a, a big uh, badge for that or whatever. We got a nice piece of paper anyway. <laughs> and deservedly <laughs> so. That, that's uh, awesome. Congratulations. Thank you. So these are, you know, true holiday miracles, but emphasizing Christmas because wh whatever your faith, it, it is Christmas that inspires the bright lights and these acts of charity and have been in our culture, mm -hmm. which is not denying anyone else's faith or anyone's path, but Christmas miracles then specifically deal uh, with this time of the year. And, and one that I, I well, there's, I guess you know I like them all in the book, but <laughs> the one that that we, you know, it's hard. Like you know, which is your favorite child? Yeah, you can't exactly. Do that. <laughs> right. You can't do that. But um, the the one that uh, I I was so inspired by hearing, and I heard it uh, not only from the pastor who was involved, but many people in the congregation. And this was a man who had been to seminary, and it was kind of in the tradition. And, and, and let's be honest now, uh, not every pastor, not every priest is really happy if he's given a small parish out in the country somewhere. Uh -huh. I mean, some do aspire, and, and not putting them down, but uh, since I was almost seminary-bound myself one time, and I, I know a lot of my classmates who, who went on, some of them aspired, you know, as, as others would a career, and there's nothing wrong with that. But this fellow, this pastor, had always thought that he'd have a nice big congregation in Chicago or <laughs> Albany or someplace. <laughs> yeah. and, and he got sent to a little rural community in Wyoming. And, you know, he, he tries to make the best of it, but... He's talking one time just before Christmas and just before he gives the big Christmas sermon. He's talking to his parents uh, back in Chicago, uh, in Chicago where he is from, and he's saying things like, you know, I don't know how much longer I can take it here, you know, <laughs> really. And, and, you know, he's going, and then he looks, and there he sees his secretary standing with this incredibly hurt look. Oh, yeah. And he thinks, oh, my gosh. So he says, uh, you know, he hangs up and he, and he, he ch goes after her and says, uh, I, I mean, I, I, I maybe just, you know, was a little, uh, I, I shouldn't have used the language I did, you know, like this is a God-forsaken place. I didn't really mean God-forsaken. You know. Of course, God is here. So the interesting thing that night is the, the choir has been rehearsing excerpts from the Messiah, and I think we're all familiar with those, mm -hmm. at least the Hallelujah Chorus, if nothing else. Yeah. But there's a beautiful, beautiful song in there, and they're reaching that point, and the back doors of the church open, and a woman comes walking in. No one's ever seen her before. And she comes walking straight up by the choir, and then a cappella, she sings, he shall feed his flock like a shepherd, which is a beautiful alto solo. And she does it a cappella because there's no orchestra. The organist is, is spellbound. He stops playing. The choir stops. They listen to her. And she sends it, sings it perfectly. And there's hardly a dry eye in the entire congregation, including the pastors. And then the woman walks out. 
Now, there were ushers, of course, at the door. And I first, when the pastor told me this, I thought, ah, the story ends, he chases her out to the lot, and they have a, you know, the cars come back in, and they start to date, and they married this beautiful. But no, it, it, it ends quite differently. Yeah. Once she gets to the parking lot, the ushers, other people, see her disappear. Oh! Wow. Just disappear. And of course, they, 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 you know, they can't quite believe their eyes. They check car. There aren't any other cars. There's nothing leave. There's nothing. And they are convinced, every member of that congregation, that an angel came that night and sang that beautiful alto solo from the Messiah. Wow. Okay. Now, did go ahead, Doug. Did that change the? Um, like, obviously then that particular church was not God-forsaken. No. <laughs> and, and there's more than enough proof right there because we've right. got witnesses. You realize it was God-blessed, not God-forsaken. It was God indeed forsaken. blessed in that case. Did, did, the, did the pastor end up, or the priest end up staying there, or did he, yeah. uh, yeah. oh, that's beautiful. Yes. And, and as far as I know, he's still there. <laughs> that is beautiful. I wouldn't yeah, have left I, either. I I mean, that'd be a pretty cool. Regard. I'd be still wait. I'd be waiting for it to happen again. Like, whoa, that was a real trip. I want to see that again. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Wow. Yeah. It and uh, you know, uh, again, several members of the congregation. It's not just the pastor, but several people said, you know, it was just astounding. And um, a similar case uh, happened in in Great Britain during a baptismal service where this incredibly beautiful sort of androgynous being appeared and seemed to take part in the blessing. And every member of the church saw that entity, and then it disappeared. Wow. Now, that child, I, I would like to follow through and see what that child's mission in life might be to yeah. get such a, a heavenly sponsor at baptism. So I know, like an angel, I mean, it's, I guess we'll just call it yeah, that. It yeah. took part in the blessing of this child. Right, right. Well, yeah, right. there's yeah, that. That's definitely a, that. a lot of the stories we have. That that's, I think, a very positive one to start with, and, and leaves you with a sense of awe and, and joy. You know, because the Messiah is such a joyous uh, piece of music. Oh yeah. But mm -hmm. uh, again, we're talking Handel's Messiah, of course. A lot of the stories we have are, are kind of tearjerkers, to be honest with you. Um, but, you know, I think there's there's part of that that goes with Christmas. Because, and, and I know you've seen these stats as well, mm -hmm. that for many, many people, Christmas is a very sad time. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Now, I, we've lost three members of our family. Right at Christmas time. Oh. My, my first wife, my father, and Sherry's son. Oh, man. Uh, all right at Christmas time. So, you know, Christmas has that, uh, you know, Pequot quality to it, you know, where, where it's a sobering time. And, and, you know, as one of my daughters said, uh, you know, and she's very active in, in the church now, but she said it took her years before she could hear certain hymns or certain carols, you know, because of the memories it brought back. So we have to respect that. 
that it, it does bring that kind of memory to some people. Uh-huh. But the stories we have that maybe moisten the eye a bit, I think, uh, also end with with a joyous interpretation. Yeah. And I don't know how much we have before a break. So yeah, well, I think we might want to just yeah, let's take the let's break. cut the break. Yeah, and then we can start fresh on the other side and of we'll that. Start on yes, the other side of the break. I, yeah. I like that. Okay. That's a good idea. Why don't we Great. do that? But uh, yeah, okay. This is like really. It's already getting heavy. I love it. <laughs> I had a feeling this was going to get heavy like Well, you know what's going through my head? The what's chorus that? of Hallelujah is going through my head now the entire yeah. time. And I'm thinking, yeah. I wish I could see this amazing, amazing, you know, apparition. But yeah. you guys, speaking of amazing things, uh, there are uh, independent bands all over the earth um, putting music together. And while it's not all Handel's Messiah, no. um, it, it's at least an independent um, production, and, and it's out of, you know, their hearts, and, and it, it's done out of their creativity and their hearts. So yeah. that's why we play only independent music on our breaks. And this is our, and this is, up. yeah, last show of the year here. We're, we're, we're in the home stretch. We're here with Brad Steger. Couldn't have a better person here to finish the year, the year off with us. Uh, yeah, and wow. Just uh, just trying to kind of realizing that this is the end of the year. Right. <laughs> so during this man. during this independent music break, um, uh, I want y'all to go visit www.bradandsherry.com, and while you do that, enjoy this. The beginning of a very long story.
Welcome back. Yes, I hope you enjoyed that. We're talking with. It's Fred. a miracle that we're back. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you're good. I know. I had, really I, I had to just do something stupid because you know, well, whatever. I That's think it's it fantastic. I'll lie to this. Last holiday. show of the year, and, yeah. uh, mm-hmm. and, and you're doing good. Uh, we're talking with Brad Steger of www.bradandsherry.com, and of course, back in 2001, they wrote Christmas Miracles, inspirational true stories of holiday magic. And, you know, Brad and Sherry have written, you know, since then. This one, though, is so topical. Yeah. Oh. And and time, you know, time, the time of year to, to be inspired by by uh, Christmas miracles. And think about, uh, you know, the miracles that happen to you every single day yeah. uh, of your life. And uh, uh, But around Christmas time is the time when we actually pay attention and really notice them and get to talk about them with uh, folks like Brad. So, Brad, we were talking about... Christmas is, is a great time, but yes, sometimes it's a little bit on the sad side because of people who pass around Christmas time or you know things. Well, like I think that. people generally get depressed but around this time of year too. I mean, because yeah. it may not yeah, be a death or, or something like that. Well, it may just be loneliness. Like sometimes, sometimes people mm-hmm. don't have family or they don't the have change of yeah. the change of weather, yeah. the, the the longer nights and shorter days. I mean, there's a whole bunch exactly. of psychological factors. Yeah, and so so yeah, but uh, so so not all Christmas miracles have like this. They, some ha- might have a little mm, bent to it, well, like a who. I, I should say, but I should say uh, rather, you know, kind of an ambiguity. There, yeah. Uh, this this story I'm going to tell next is that on one level a sad story, but on the other, a joyous story. Okay. Where a family was given a great gift. And it started out, one would not think so. Uh, There was a particular man who kind of was Mr. Christmas. His parents, ever since he was a little boy, he just just went wild at Christmas time. And, And as he grew up and had a family, he just put so much emphasis. He just loved Christmas. And they always had a big family gathering. They they always just had a wonderful time. And just a few days before Christmas, he was in a fatal automobile accident and died. Oh, my God. Oh, tragic. So now here's this young man with wife and young children, very young children, who won't be around the Christmas table this year. Oh. So his mother, it's his mother who who told the story yeah. to us. Uh, she said that you know she she really tried to maintain a a balance, an equilibrium, and they put up on the fireplace mantle they put a little tree and they put some some uh, decorative uh, Christmas balls and so forth around it with his picture there, and then Christmas Eve. Uh, the family came over, and and she tried to be, but you know, she she loved her daughter-in-law and she loved her grandchildren, but yet you know there was part of her that just wanted to be alone, and and she tried not to be irritable, but but somehow you know just everything seemed to grate. I mean, it just she didn't have time to grieve. In other words, you know, yeah. she had to she had to go from the death of her son and the funeral and then Christmas and try to still maintain a certain visage for the grandchildren. Mm-hmm. So she hears this Christmas music coming and she thinks her 
husband is, is playing it and and he says uh, I'm not playing any music you know I don't have any on she says well just shut it off and he says but I don't have any on <laughs> and checks the radio checks the stereo then she says I hear it I hear it I, I'm telling you maybe there's a car parked outside you know they're playing music go out and see and and you know please ask them to and and the husband says oh okay and i'll go out there's nobody there and then as she listens she she hears a, a like it's music she has never really heard before and then she says to the rest of the family listen listen don't you hear that and they gather around, and they all say, yes, yes, I hear music. Where is it coming from? So they, they go over to the mantle, over to the picture, and there this music is coming from behind their son's picture. Wow. And then the music changes from this heavenly music that they can't recognize to the familiar song, I'll be home for Christmas, if only in my dreams. Wow. They were given, all of them, a most beautiful gift. And the children at that young age were given a gift that dad is still there in one form, still looking after them. And they were also given the great gift that life goes on beyond death. And that's the message of Christmas, that there is life beyond this world. Oh, yeah. Wow. Oh, that is that true. That truly is a miracle. I mean... More bad radio here. <laughs> I know. We're not saying we're, anything. We're, we're, we're just kind of like, whoa, we're dude, this is so heavy. Wow. That family was truly yeah. lucky and blessed. Truly yeah. blessed. It starts you know, out very sad. I mean, and, and you know, it's bittersweet. Obviously, bittersweet. And, you know, and, bittersweet. You know, and, you know. So yeah, it's wow. Okay, all right. <laughs> <laughs> you know, but it is these things. You know, I mean, it's these stories. Um, and I know I've heard of other people who have lost family members right around the holiday. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, mm -hmm. and, and it's tough. Like we were saying before, it's very, very tough. So these are, this is a, one of those, an excellent story uh, to hear, uh, to hear that someone, you know, hey, again, we're kind of getting some confirmation here. Yeah, look, I'm still around. Just relax. You know, I'm still yeah. going to keep an eye yeah. on things. So. I'm still here. I'm wow. Still here. Well, what else do we have? Is there another story you can tell us? Because if it... <laughs> If it's any heavier well, than that, I'm going to be breaking down here anytime soon, Brad. I'm going to on the air. <laughs> <I'm sniffling. laughs> well, that, this, this also makes you a little bit clamped. But, uh, okay. I, again, it, it's left with with a wonderful message. And uh, this this happened um, in the early days of, of uh, World War II. And uh, a family in, in northern Minnesota, The I mean, this is in the day that that's, that's almost alien to young people today. You know, the soda shop and the magazines spindle next to the uh, soda fountain with yeah. the comic books and the magazines and so forth. If you can visualize that, maybe from It's a Wonderful Life, you can visualize right. that. <laughs> <laughs> but, but anyway, we go back to that time. And uh, a young woman is, is working, young girl, high school girl, is, is working in the, in the soda fountain. And every day her, her little brother comes to 
to walk her home. He comes from school and walks her home. Well, in this particular time, this particular evening, early evening, her boyfriend is there. And so the boyfriend says, you know, let's go sledding before you go home. Come on, let's go sledding on old uh, Porklesons Hill or whatever. And uh, so she says, well, I, you know, I have to get home with my little brother. And the little brother says, no, no, because this is his chance to be with big kids, with teenagers. So he says, yeah, I want to go, I want to go. But he's not really dressed for it. And they go one slide after another, and it's, they're all having so much fun that it does get very late. And, and even though she is, is warmly dressed with a scarf and so forth, her little brother just has kind of a light coat. And, and uh, it's not long, and, and uh, a couple days pass, and he develops a cough. And uh, they just kind of overlook that because, you know, it's the cold time of the year. But he... And the, it's the young, well, now not a young woman, but it's, it's the sister who's telling the story to us. She said that her brother started taking piano lessons, you know, like five or six, and by the time he was 10 and 11, which is what he was at this time, mm-hmm. uh, in this small Minnesota community, he was considered a genius, you know, because he could really play that piano. And he had a big concert at the Sunday School Christmas program. But he develops then pneumonia. But he says, I'm, I'm going to be there. I'm going to be there. And he comes down at night and starts to practice. And they say, you know, you've got to stay in bed. You've got to stay in bed if you're going to get over this. He says, but I've got to practice. I've got to be really good. Finally, he reaches the point where he can't get out of bed. And he happened to have striped bedspread so he works with his little fingers he as if that is the piano he's he's working his fingers on the spread of the bed well it keeps getting worse the fever gets high and in those days the family doctor came to the house sat with him and unfortunately and sorrowfully the the young boy died and he never got to play at that Christmas. And he had, uh, these were good Minnesota Lutherans, and uh, he was practicing away in a manger, no crib for a bed, and that was written by Martin Luther, so it had extra meaning at the Lutheran Sunday School. He'd been practicing and practicing. Well, the funeral then is, is just a few days before Christmas. The family is gathering around, and uh, Grandma brings over something to eat because the family is just completely listless. They're just completely devastated. And as they're sitting there very quietly, they just said grace, but no one, no one can start to eat the chicken that Grandma has made. And then all of a sudden they hear just a couple notes on the piano. And they say, what was that? What was that? And they go over to the piano and they can actually see keys being depressed and then they hear the strains of away in a manger no crib for a bed little lord jesus lay down his sweet head they hear that much of the music and then it stops and the woman who told us the story said i will always know that we heard my brother playing from heaven 
we received a special concert pianist from heaven that night, my 10-year-old brother. Wow. That <laughs> is amazing. Yeah. Away in a manger, no crib for a bed. Uh, that, that is just absolutely amazing. The well, that's an old song. I used to sing that back when I was a kid. Yeah, yeah, a lot of oh, funny guy. Oh, yeah, I just got ripped on. I got, I got, I got ripped on for being old. Great. Uh, no, yeah, it's, they still song. sing it. I'm sure. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I mean, yeah, I know the song all too well, and uh, just to have a visitation like that again. You know, same thing as the last a message, but, yeah, a Christmas like, look, message. Look, chill yeah. out, guys. Right. Eat your right. chicken. Eat your chicken. You know. <clears throat> yeah, it sucks. I'm not here. I wish I could be here, but hey, everything's yeah. cool. I would like to move on and with just, your life. Just, just those notes, you know, that this isn't, uh, you know, if it were the entire piece, you kind of think, but it was just those opening notes of the song, just just enough to give them verification, just enough for them to say, again, life goes on, and that's what Christmas is all about. Yes, exactly. Another And, and another one about music, a very powerful um uh, emotional and you know universal thing is music and and it uh, uh, in both of the past examples music was yeah part of the message. Yeah. Oh, when I hear bagpipes, I break down. I, I was hoping I was hoping you would guys would pick up on that. Yeah, because yeah. I think it's very significant. Now again, this is <laughs> this has been a theory of mine for years, and you know you can take it as you may, but. People have always said so often that angels sing to them. And it's not just the shepherds of old, but, you know, people who have visitations says, my angel sang to me. Mm-hmm. Now, I've wondered if when they enter from one dimension to another, if that kind of just distorts their voice for a few moments. So it sounds like they're singing. You understand what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Interesting. You're coming from one dimension to another, so until... Well, I, I, I believe that angels are paraphysical. I mean, they're unseen, but they can become physical. We can see them, so I turn them paraphysical beings. So while they're making that transition from their dimension to ours, their voice wavers until they become more firmly embodied in our dimension. And this was brought to my mind again. I was reading in a um, uh, science magazine the other night, and they're doing studies with voice and with speech and wondering why we speak, why we don't always sing, and how when certain phrases are repeated on a recording when people hear it and this is fascinating they repeat it singing i mean you know they have their own own melody for it yeah right but but again what we know that birds communicate what do we call it? We call it a bird, bird song. Yeah, or, exactly. Yeah. We don't say birds are talking to each other. <laughs> we say they're singing. Yeah. So maybe and whale maybe. song as well. I was going to say whales. Exactly. Whales yeah. 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 So maybe early humans did the same. They sang to each other because the multidimensional beings who were appearing to them and communicating to them 
sang to them. Well, for literally since I was a kid, and that's you know four decades, the uh, ghosts did two things. Ghosts, obviously, you know, not normal of this dimension, but have to mm-hmm. you know have a lot of work to get here and let yeah. us know what's up. But um, ghosts did two things, you know, boo, of course, and right. ooh, exactly. you know, which is more. Of Why a do we do that kind to of signify thing. ghosts? Right. Why do we do that? I wonder if early, early, early on, this, a similar um, thing happened where they, you know, w- when they were trying to communicate, it came out as a moan or a, you know, a, well, a, exactly. a long... And then that got turned into a cadence of some and, sort where, and then, you know, people construed that as music And it was, or, a, yeah, a nice long... Yeah. It's a, it's musical at that point. Yeah. yeah. Well, I, I don't know. It's, it's just something that, you know, that occurred to me years ago, and, and uh, I just suddenly felt impelled to bring it up and see how, how you fellows react. No, it makes perfect sense to me. I think it's it's fantastic. It's, you know, there it, a lot of times that we fi- I think we find in history that you know, there are all these weird things, these things that people perceive and things like that, you know, and like, for example, for example, music and singing, I mean, that's a great example. Uh, you hear all these songs in, you know, in churches and all these things they do, and we just got done talking about how, you know, these, these it, music could have been born out of the pure fact that people were visited by angels or, or other exactly. worldly beings. Exactly. And that's where music was born from. That's a theory, right? Well, well that, I mean, that's, and that's, that's the theory I, I'm saying. Yeah. And, 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 and you're obviously theory. not hanging up the phone on me. It's no! To you. <laughs> no, I think it's fantastic. <laughs> I'm yeah. thinking of more supportive evidence, such as, for example... Um, you know, because music is a very powerful thing. It can move people in just oh, a few absolutely. minutes. In just a few minutes, you can be taken from, you know, sorrow to lilting joy, back to sorrow exactly. to confusion to to happiness, you know, yeah, or whatever. Yeah. And, and and there you go. You've well, that's had, you've what got a good song. music does. Is it that's conveys an emotion? Yeah. It's got a lot of emotion and power and creativity in it. Well. Um, uh, what what's one of the things that uh, that we talk about when we talk about ghosts and paranormal happenings is, you know, places of power. Yeah. You know, right. places that, where, right. where people like you know theaters all across the world seem to be haunted. Why? Because they're mm-hmm. places of power. You've got many many people focused on a pre- a, a presentation. You've got the people on the stage who are focused on you know uh, providing the presentation. There's all this Passionate energy people there. trying to communicate. Passion and communications, and and there and there you have that. And same thing with music. You've got power and. Right. And, and emotion and communication, it's all wrapped up in a nice three-minute little package. Although, you know, a song has you know can be as long as a piece of string. It's however long you need it to of be. Of course, but you know, but <laughs> the uh, well, but let let me give you let me give you one more. Yeah, now, when when people uh, they feel that they're encountering what I call a spirit parasite, you can call it a demon, whatever oh, yeah. you want, to a negative entity. Let's let's say that. Yeah. And they say, what do I do? What do I do? And and I say, well, you know that old saying, whistling in the graveyard? That's not just a saying. That, what does that do? That breaks their contact. That breaks their communication. You're giving them static. So I tell people, whenever you feel you're being approached by a negative entity, 
burst into song. Now, obviously not a sensuous or suggestive song, because that will produce, <laughs> produce a negative effect. The but again, a joyous song, you know, just you're doing whatever, or a hymn, you know, if that's your orientation. But it's just something that will break that connection. And you'll see then you are suddenly free of that hold that that entity was attempting to squeeze on you. I really like that. That's, a, that's something that everybody should add to their repertoire of things. You know, I, I think you should also, you should also, um, you know, uh, do a visualization or a prayer or whatever, depending on what you do in order to connect with yourself exactly. yeah. before and after any kind of uh, experimentation or or oh, whatever. Of course. And then yeah. also, if if something negative should happen, yeah. Whistle a tune. And this is, start singing a this song. This is primarily, I'm saying, you know, when you're caught off guard. Yes. You know, when you, when you, you haven't seen any reason to do that uh, blessing or, or, or visualization. You're just kind of minding your own business. I, I bet you two have been in that situation. I certainly have. Mm -hmm. And you suddenly, because of your sensitivity, you're suddenly aware that something's trying to get a hold of you. Well, what do you do? I mean, now maybe, you know, <laughs> Again, people say, well, I, I say the rosary, I, I say the Lord's Prayer. Well, that's fine, but it's, these entities, I feel, have nothing to do with spirituality, nothing to do with religion. So if the rosary works, it's because, again, you've set up, you've broken the contact. You, you mm -hmm. have the static. But again, if you're not of that orientation, just bursting out with, uh, you know, uh, Whatever you feel yeah. is a powerful, positive song will do the trick. I just go all John Wayne on them and just scare them back, and they run. <laughs> they run to the hills, man. I just forget. I wonder it. if singing in the shower might be because people are uncomfortable. Well, because they, they've watched Psycho know. too many damn well, times. Psycho. That's okay. why. Yeah, that I'd be so, yeah. But, I, <laughs> yeah, but before Psycho, they did, and I think it's the same thing. Those negative ions are coming up around you, mm -hmm. and I think it frees you in that case. And I think also. <laughs> Because we all know, even before Psycho, we know we're vulnerable when we are naked in that shower. Exactly. Well, yeah, so naked, that's you're another naked. reason we sing in the shower. But I know, I've seen people and known people I've worked with and stuff over the years that they always were like, in between talking, they were humming a tune. Mm -hmm. They were whistling. They were. I mean, they're at the office. Like you know, they drive me nuts sometimes. But you know, they just right, be humming right, a song. Right. Like, I was whistling just earlier today. Or, you we were walking it. down that hallway, and I was going. I don't remember what I was whistling, but I was whistling. Oh, oh yeah, well, no. I mean, I I go to stores every once in a while. And this is unheard of nowadays. But you know, I've been to some stores where I've seen people like just looking around at stuff, and <laughs> or they're whistling like kind of quietly. <laughs> you know, so people, some people just do it all the time. Of, you know, part of a. a a parapsychological defense mechanism, and we don't even know we're doing it. I think it. so. Yeah. Uh, unconsciously, I think it is. Interesting. Anyway. Well, silence scares people. I think the silence... No, seriously. <laughs> I love silence. Yeah, so do I. I, I. I could be a librarian <laughs> well, if I had a degree for it. But I think some people have a... Well, they, they as, as a writer, of course, it's a requirement. But yeah. That's why <laughs> we like to... <laughs> But I know I think I think some people have a problem with silence where you know they like some people I you know they they can't have a conversation go silent either you know because silence yeah. scares them. We've right? done that a couple of times though. This We've interview. done that plenty of times. This <laughs> you whole you month. tell a, a whopper of a story and then we're like, 
speechless. Yeah, I mean, it's yeah. like, wait a minute. <laughs> this is radio. You're supposed to be talking all the time. But, but that silence, you know, again, we're talking about, you know, music or making tones or toning. Uh, Amber and I were talking about that just a few nights ago, as a matter of fact, toning and the, the effect that music has on you and how Absolutely. one song will touch you powerful. and you know, it's I very have, powerful. I have an idea. What? Challenge everybody this because Christmas is just a few days away. Yeah, we got like when you three see your, minutes on the when show. When you see your families, yeah, I know. When you see your families, um, start humming a, a, a tune with them, a, a Christmas Great. carol or something. Yeah, and, and, yeah, Christmas. That's Slayer Christmas song. Okay, not not Metallica or anything like that. Yeah, right. something, no, no, something nice. But, but but an old Christmas song, maybe yeah, a carol you sang together as a child. Yeah, I think that'd be a perfect way to begin a, a, a greeting or a family, Great. a family gathering at Christmas. What could be better? Grab yeah. a young niece of yours or something and say, "I want you to sing me Frosty the Snowman," and then join in, or exactly. you know something exactly. like that. Just bring some music into your holiday celebrations in some way. Yeah. I think that would be a great, be a lot of fun thing yeah. for everybody. That's a, a wonderful challenge to everyone. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Brad, I, I have to say again, you know, at the beginning of this hour, I. I expressed my happiness for to finally have you on the show, and I've admired your work for years. Uh, thank you again for joining us. It's been fantastic. We got to do it again, you know, for something else too. I've, I've had a really good time. Good. And why shouldn't I? You you guys agree with all my theories. <laughs> I, I, I really see. I see something. I see something here. The website, <laughs> your website, Brad, is uh, www.bradandsherry.com. And, yep, of course, yep. we can keep up with But give us just a little teaser. What do you think 2009 is going to be yeah, like Yeah, what do you think? Two? Are you going to release ten uh, books? Oh. Is it going to be a world tour? What's up? I, I, I think it's... Uh, I think we all must say a prayer for our nation. Mm, yeah. I, I'm, I'm non-political. But, I mean, I follow the politics very closely, but I've never joined either party since I am a follower of George Washington who said, beware the two-party system. Mm -hmm. But what I told people, instead of arguing when they try to get me to one or the other, I'd say, all I'm doing on Election Day, I'm voting, of course, but I am praying, and I suggest that everyone prays whoever becomes president, and now we know it's Obama, yeah. we pray for guidance we pray for the benevolent beings to look after our our soldiers overseas and we pray for the nation to become spiritually grounded as it once was absolutely wow. fantastic and and we will I, I like that. I'll get yeah, together wonderful. with my friends and family and, and do that. Yeah, and uh, yeah, thank you so much, Brad. That means a lot. I mean, oh, my pleasure. That's that's wow. My that really, that's really, and that's what it comes down to. I think with the where we're at right now as a nation, the United States of America, um, who's been nice enough to give us our freedom of speech to do this show for the last exactly. seven years. Yeah. You know, I mean, I and I we acknowledge exactly. that. I mean, we do a lot of bitching on here. I know, <laughs> but, <laughs> but you know, we we. We're aware of that, and we're very happy to be somewhere where we can talk about these wild topics that we That's do every right. week. You know, so pray, pray for our nation, and pray for deliverance of, of this terrible economic situation we're in. Yep. And on yep. that note of optimism, that we will overcome 
Wish you Merry Christmas from Sherry and myself. Thank you, Brad. Hold Thank on for you, one second. Don't leave us just yet. We're just going to close the show out. Hang yeah. Tight. Thank oh. you, everybody. This is uh, the last show of 2008. Yeah. And uh, we'll be back 2009. in... 2009. Is that mind-blowing or what, man? <laughs> it's awesome. And uh, oh my thank you God. for making a wonderful and successful 2008. Thank you to Brad Steger for... Uh, uh, for coming on the show. And, yeah. yeah and thanks, Brad. We really appreciate it. Fantastic yeah, stuff. And you guys, thank you for listening. Yeah. Um, we hope you had a great 2008. And, and, uh, it's been a great double great it. one for 2000. I mean, for 2008, it's been a, the best year for Ghostly let's Talk. double yeah. it and and, yeah. uh, and and have even better and learn more stuff in 2009. You guys, for Bonnie, uh, for uh, for all the listeners. I can speak for, for myself, jerk off. You can speak for, for yourself. Scott L. From, <laughs> all right. And from me, Doug. Uh Absolutely. I hope I hope you have a Merry fantastic Christmas, Christmas yeah. and, and Happy a great, New Year. great New Year. And we'll see you on the other side. We're going to be hanging out with Father Time until then. Yep. Guys, <laughs> take it easy. Happy New Year. Merry Christmas. All that good stuff. This has been Ghostly Talk. I'm Scott L. And I'm Doug. See you guys next year. Ghostly Talk! You have been listening to Ghostly Talk Paranormal Talk Radio. The Ghostly Talk audio program is distributed for free under the open content license. Please share with all your friends and support independent media. 